Welcome to another exciting edition of Hindsight is Horrifying, the podcast where a certain number, and that number just is changing so much now that I didn't bother saying it, of seemingly normal adults watch movies and TV shows from our youth, our childhood, from an era when we lived as, uh, in past lives, whatever. And we talk about uh, all the things that we didn't get the, when we saw it the first time, and we also just sort of ask the question, does it still hold up? Is it still good? I am Jason Mitchell. I'm here with my host. Darth Jader. Hello. And tonight, we are going to be looking at the 1986 John Hughes classic, the mega hit, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, one of if not the definitive 80s comedy movies. Especially like a high school classic movie. Yeah. yeah. I would put this one above Breakfast Club, above... I I think it's John Hughes' best. Oh, yeah, I agree. Pretty in Pink, all that. Yeah, I think Ferris Bueller's my favorite John Hughes movie by far. Yeah, not knocking any of the other ones, you know. I mean, I I love uh, career opportunities a lot, but (laughs) but it's for all the wrong reasons. Um, I don't even... I think it had a plot. Um, Maybe. But it had Jennifer Connelly in it, so that was, you know, well oh, done, now well we done John Hughes. Like Got it. Um, but uh, yes, we are talking about Ferris Bueller, a movie about a... I, I don't even know how to describe Ferris Bueller. He's not an everyman. He's not... He's the king of his high school. He's the yeah. coolest high schooler that's ever happened yeah, in the history of the ever Yeah, he's a superhero. Yes. Yeah, he is. He's a got su- superpowers. Yeah, he has superpowers. Luck is on his side always. Yes, yes. So, yeah. Uh, but, Darth, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the format of tonight's show? The format has changed just a little bit because, you guys, we, we have an actual grown-up in the studio. We've been teasing about his appearance for several months now, and we've had some scheduling issues. We haven't said anything about how he looks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get around to that because they don't know who it is yet. So once they hear this epic guest and who he is, they'll understand the costume. So you guys, we have been teasing about this for months. We have the appearance of the man, the myth, the legend, my dad, Morgan Rogers. Yay! Welcome. <laughs> dad, you want to say hi to the listeners? Hello, listeners. I am certainly glad to be here tonight on Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Welcome to the studio. And listeners, just so you realize, I can't talk my dad up enough. He showed up dressed like Ferris Bueller. Yes. No joke. And he did his own spin on it because being an actual quote-unquote grown-up, uh, why don't you describe your costume for us, Dad? Well, it's what Fairless Bueller would be wearing today as a conservative, a little bit more conservative, but still the white shirt and the and the vest. The classic uh, 80s vest the with classic. the four buttons. Yep. Absolutely. So. <laughs> and Cameron, Cameron would be wearing a straight jacket. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. By this point. Uh, <laughs> hopefully not. Ho- hopefully Cameron well, changed. But, I, you know, first interruption of the night. Antagonist versus protagonist. I, oh, uh, Ferris Bueller's definitely He's the, the antagonist. antagonist of the story. Yeah, big definitely, time. yeah. But first interrupt, sorry. What um, were you saying? I just happened, we've got the movie starting in the studio, and I just looked over, and I had looked at, you know, the IMDb and everything uh, for this, mm-hmm. but I didn't catch this. The cinematographer. Tak Tak Fujimoto. Fujimoto. (laughs) I was going to bring that up. The great Tak Fujimoto, who also filmed Death Race 2000. And we know starring (laughs) one of the Adams from one of the many Shakespeare troops that we're in. Oh, wait. No, that's David Carradine. Just kidding. Different guy. But, um... Yeah, I don't think we ever not talk about Death Race 2000. That that one scarred us both for life, I feel, a little bit. You know, is this the first uh, sort of The Office mockumentary-style movie? Uh, I, I that can't, we've done? Yeah. No I, no, I mean just in general. I can't think of a movie before this where 
He was talking to the camera. Where they camera. break the fourth wall. Yeah, like breaking this. the fourth wall, giving them useful information. You know, they even have graphics. Well, and it's it's exposition, but not just for exposition's sake. He actually moves you along with his character and what's going on with his life in a very interesting way. Uh, he's just because you open up to the movie where Ferris is obviously faking being sick, he so he can skip a day of school uh, nine times. Nine, nine times, times. <laughs> <laughs> but we get to that later but he's singing in the shower with his mohawk right now uh, singing Donka Shane uh, but yeah he, he takes you through all of his classic tips and tricks of how to fake out your parents you know you, when you're bent over moaning and wailing you lick your palms mm-hmm. it sounds a little childish but it's very effective if you get a, a fake fever that can backfire because you get a squeamish mother and you wind up in the hospital and that's worse than school <laughs> so <laughs> he he gives you all those tips and tricks for faking out your parents but and that you know you're already on this kid's side because he's so clever and charming and funny just oh, right yeah. from the get-go yeah so uh, beyond that reason dad why did you pick this movie because all of our guests get to pick their own content so why this movie because it's just super cool. It's a, it's just a super cool movie. Everything about it is funny. Every scene um, is funny in its own way. Um, and, uh, you know, there's so many uh, little anecdotes in there. You know, we're looking at the... Uh, um, the classic the, Bueller the, scene the, right the, now. The classic Bueller scene, you know, where uh, Ben um, Stein mm-hmm. is, um, you know, that was ad-libbed. And everything he says is actually correct about economics. Um, so, uh, it's just that kind of stuff that's oh, yeah. just super yeah. cool. Yeah. I yeah. had no oh, idea. No, Ben Stein. I mean, it's amazing when you see Ben Stein doing really great comedic things and you realize he, he's actually also a really, really, really intellegent guy. And this is a, his, what his second appearance <clears throat> as far as movie picks. Cause he was in the mask as well with Jim Carrey. So he was the, um, psychiatrist or that's psychologist. That, that's right. He was in the yeah. mask. Yeah. Uh-huh. He's been in a bunch of stuff. He was. You know, in the '90s, of course, he was—he uh, had his game show, "Win Ben Stein's Money." Yeah, uh, I forgot which about was that. Really, which was good, um, but you know, this movie is the ultimate ensemble uh, actor actress movie because every single person in this movie is perfectly cast. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they all belong exactly where they were cast. But yeah. before we get away from the classic Bueller scene, the, the, everybody quotes Bueller. Bueller from that scene, but the one I always took away from it was the girl who raises his hand and explains where Ferris is for the day. <laughs> right. She goes, um, he's sick. My best friend's sister's boyfriend's brother's girlfriend heard it from this guy who knows this kid who's going with this girl who saw Ferris pass out at 31 Flavors last night. Right. So I guess it's yeah. pretty serious. And therein it, lies few, uh, Ferris's superpowers. Yeah. Oh, just yeah. That, that, yeah. Yeah, things are... Uh, he just keeps talking until, you know, until he gets what he wants. Yeah. Um, and of course, now we're watching the Cameron. You know, Cameron come in, or Cameron Fry come on, and you know, um, I'm I'm kind of team Cameron, you know. Oh yeah, I, I really like Cameron, and you know, he's always the underdog, and you know, um, in er- in every scene, and you know, let my Cameron Ringo. go. <laughs> well, well, you know, Cameron is he's a perfect uh, example of you know we were talking about this in our last episode when we were watching Night Shift. What makes an appealing character from an '80s movie, mm-hmm. and it's it's the character who ultimately, you know, he's normal and he's like you in the sense that he's, he's trying relatable. to do he's yeah. trying to do the right thing. He's trying to do what people want him to do. He's you know he he would do his job. He does his schoolwork. He does all this stuff, but he absolutely doesn't do anything to make himself happy. Nope. Until the end, when it boils over, and he decides. 
to hell with it. I'm going to do something to make me happy. Yeah. And yeah. it ends in a huge disaster. He's like a kettle. He just, yeah. yeah they're, just... they're in teaching the lesson. You should just do little things. You know, don't, don't let it boil over until you're driving a priceless, beautiful car. <laughs> you have to destroy. But th- therein lies one of my favorite scene is when he fooled Ferris and believing that he was drowning. Yeah. You know, oh, when he, yeah. At the, at the end, the he end said, I got you, you know. Ferris so, Bueller, yeah. you're my hero. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Cameron, you, and you also see, despite how polar opposite they are, because, Dad, this isn't something that we've discussed with you, is what we have on the show a lot, is the difference between a protagonist and an antagonist. Mm-hmm. Because most people think protagonist means good guy, and antagonist is bad guy, when, in fact, antagonist means that that's the person who brings about the change. Yep. So that in this case, that's Ferris Bueller. Mm-hmm. Because Cameron is the one whose life really gets changed. Ferris goes home, he's not in trouble, nothing happens to him. Because, like you said, his superpowers, luck and rumors are on his side at all mm-hmm. times. Because yeah. every kid in his school, you know, bands together and they start raising money in a little Pepsi can thinking that Ferris needs a kidney transplant. Oh, yeah. Just... And at some point, so, and I told my dad this, listeners, when I was growing up, I was like, I'm going to climb up on the town water uh, tower one day and I'm going to write, save Ferris. <laughs> 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 Just don't tell anybody I did it. Yeah. But Well, and it's weird, the whole superpower thing, it, there's, there is actually some evidence for it because... Oh, no. <laughs> Not another it, it, conspiracy well, it's, theory. It's, reason, it's, reasonably, it's reasonable to suspect that even though Ferris Bueller has done stuff like this, all his life and and all throughout high school, mm-hmm. nothing has ever gotten to the level it's gotten to in this one. And I think the difference is, is that Ferris isn't there to control it himself. It's like a wizard and he just starts this spell and then he swans off yeah, and he goes and has this adventure and, and this magic thing that he created just starts building and building and building because yeah. he's not there to control it. And it ends up to these ridiculous epic proportions. And there's so many moving pieces that you think there's no way he can possibly get away with all of these different lies but he gets away with every single one of them, minus yeah. his sister Jeannie, right. Jennifer Grey from um, Poor Jeannie, oh, <laughs> Dirty Poor Dancing. Jeannie, Dirty Dancing. Yeah. yeah, Poor Jeannie. She's the only one who, and to be fair, she's a tattletale. But she, she, she breaks all the rules too during the day. Yeah. She skips class. She uh, talks. I can't blame her. I can't blame Jeannie. I can't blame her for anything. Yeah, I'd be pissed yeah. if my brother got away with literally everything yeah. in the world too. So <laughs> it's it, you see why it's unfair because. But the one thing that Jeannie has up on Ferris is the fact that she has a car. Yeah. Because uh, you see him yeah. when he's he's going in and modifying, and right. you see Mr. Rooney and his secretary at the school, and Mr. Rooney's calling the mom saying, Ferris has missed school nine times. And then Ferris starts reducing the amount yeah. of days that he's yeah. been out, and Mr. Rooney can see it, and he's screaming at his receptionist. But Ferris is like, yeah. I asked for a car. I got a computer. How's that for unfair? And in 1986, a computer would have yeah, been... Yeah, it, it was a pretty big deal. An ingenious yeah. gift. As expensive yeah. as a car. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and we should probably go ahead and get the Jeffrey Jones references. Just, we need to get that out of the way now. The dad from Beetlejuice, so this, also the second appearance he's made. Yes, yes, um, who, who is... Out, he's not in jail anymore. Not anymore. Yeah, he's, uh, he's out of jail. He had an affinity for uh, the, uh, the young, child young, pornography. Young people, yeah. He, yeah. Had, he had some trouble with the law, yeah. Unfortunately, but, which is terrible. He's such. Even though he's almost always the well, Matthew Broderick kind of sort of murdered, killed someone. someone. Yeah. So uh, uh, you know, he and uh, Jennifer Grey because yeah. they ended up. Who was dating. driving? Um, he was driving. He was driving. They were in Ireland, uh, mm-hmm. and it was they kind of kept it on the the DL that they were dating since they played brother and sister in the in the movie, and they didn't want the fans to be weirded out by it. But they were driving in Ireland and. 
it was deemed uh, accidental vehicular homicide because it, it was an accident. It was at night, and I don't think they could see the guy or something like that. But yeah, he actually, yeah. he accidentally killed a man in Ireland back in the 80s. Well, I, yeah. they were actually engaged. Were they really? Yeah, they were actually engaged. You know who she's married to now, though? Mm-hmm. I don't. Um, and um, I don't even know his actual name, but he's in the Avengers. Uh, but uh, he's the bald agent from the Avengers where Tony's like, his first name was Agent. The one <laughs> right, who yeah. they they fake his death, mm-hmm. making it seem like Tony yeah. Stark was his favorite Avenger. And he has got the bloody Tony Stark card on him. But she's married to him in real life now. So while we're talking about relationships, the other one, the, the Fearless's parents started dating the, the his parents in the movie uh-huh. they started dating after the filming of the movie and actually got married oh that's sweet <laughs> so they actually became a couple so it's kind of cool oh and here's he sort of it's like you said jason he sort of weaves this little magic spell he starts his own rumors but the rumors start before ferris even talks to anybody at the school where the girl talking to ben stein heard from this guy who knows this kid about 31 flavors but then he calls the school and he's just like Oh yeah, I'm sick, and he's playing like fart noises and throw up noises on his keyboard. He's like, I think I might need a kidney transplant. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, everyone in the school, other than the two people he hangs out with, appear to be complete morons. Mm. They do. Yeah, so that <laughs> They're helps. Sheep. Yeah, that 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 really helps because Cameron's not an idiot. Yeah, and uh, um, Sloan, his Sloan. Girlfriend. Oh yeah, Sloan's certainly no idiot. No, uh, Mia Sarah. Yeah, I, Mia Sarah. Everyone had a crush on Mia Sarah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, she, she's done stuff. I, I really wish she had done more stuff. You know, she was in time cop. I was about so. to say, I can't, I couldn't have named anything else that she's mm-hmm. done besides those. Um, not to insult her cause she's great in this movie. I don't know why she didn't do more stuff. She, no, she has been. I mean, she's done a lot of, you know, um, uh, TV work and she's done a lot of, you know, like, you know, one part here, one part there sort of thing. I mean, she's working. She, she is a working actress. It's sort of like, um, <laughs> The the guy who plays Cameron, um, Alan Ruck. Alan Ruck, you know, who I actually got to see in the producers. Really? A, yeah, when I was in high school. Oh, a friend, that's cool. A friend took us to the producers for her birthday, and I called my dad because I was like, "Dad, Cameron's on the stage at the Fox right now." But uh, not to interrupt you, Jason, but this is my dad's favorite line in the yeah, whole movie they, with the secretary. They think he's a righteous dude. <laughs> Makes you look like an ass is what he does. He had <laughs> like she she doesn't realize how much she insults him, and she's just such a, a dingy little bird because she keeps she knows that she keeps at least one pencil behind her ear, but then she starts reaching into her hair and <laughs> right. pulling out other pens and pencils. And she scratches her hair with the pencil too. So yeah, great. It's really screen. Maybe that's how she loses them in the yeah. first place. But yeah, Cameron's just sort of, or excuse me, Ferris is harassing Cameron on the phone. But you see how well they know each other and how good of friends they really are because when Cameron's first like, I'm dying, he just says it to himself and Ferris calls him right back. He goes, you're not dying. You just can't think of anything good to do. <laughs> so he, they just, he just antagonizes the heck out of him. It's really funny. Yeah. Well, and that, that's the thing. That's what Cameron needs. Yeah, he you needs know, a he, kick yeah, in the he, pants yeah, he, to he, have he need, Yeah, he needs that somebody. I, I have a friend who is basically Cameron and he's, he is exactly like Cameron and it's the same thing where it's like come on we're all going no I don't I don't uh, feel up to it yes you do yes you do you know no I don't yes you do if you if you don't come out with this I'm gonna you know uh, do something horribly mean to you. Why would you do that? I thought we were friends. We are friends. That's why I'm threatening you. Well, and I bet he has that same moment where Cameron's in the car. He'll keep calling me. Yeah, he'll keep yeah. calling oh, yeah, me until yeah. I come over. He'll he'll make me feel guilty. Oh, <laughs> he beats yeah. on his steering wheel. Yeah, 
And also, this this movie continues a trend that was popular in the '80s, where every single person's parents worked in marketing. Yeah, because it was every, va- everyone was a very worked, for world. Everyone yeah. worked in marketing in the '80s. It was always like some wealthy person. They could just say they worked in marketing, and it explained why they were upper middle class. Mm-hmm. Yep. I went to college with marketing graduate with marketing majors. Every one of them is a bartender. Um, <laughs> let me see what else. What else is the market? I don't know a single marketing grad who ended up doing marketing. Well, it's funny because I was an English major in school. I graduated with an English degree and I wound up in banking and I also wound up in marketing. I've done a lot of different things. Yeah, so that's the funny <laughs> so thing. So it just... Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. You ended up in marketing, not someone with a marketing degree. No. It's almost, it's almost like, you know, uh, this is a, some consumer advice. Hi- hindsight is horrifying. Top tip. <laughs> Kids, <laughs> don't major in marketing. And don't, all... Just don't leave school, especially if your parents are paying for it. Just yeah, stay, stay there, there for now. <laughs> You're good. Yeah, well, you know, or don't go to college. Uh, well, <laughs> it's a not, waste of time. Not Joe personal opinion. Yeah, but yeah, I, and you see that other moment. We just passed what I was talking about, where Cameron's like, he's gonna make me feel guilty if I don't come over. But Ferris even knows that. Not even on the phone. He's like, twenty bucks says he's sitting in his car debating whether or not mm. he should go out. So it, it's just funny how how well they know each other. And then uh, we get introduced to Sloane, uh, yes. and she's in the most boring class in the history of. Their high school looks like a college. Every yeah, that seems yeah, to be. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we talked about that when Katie and I were discussing our pick for uh, episode two of the Battle Royale. Uh, the Padua High School looks like a really upscale building. That, that yeah, it looks like a really important college. It doesn't mm-hmm, look like a high school mm-hmm. at all. It's and ridiculous. It, I almost wonder if it was just easier to find places like colleges that would let them film. Probably that because high, they, high schools they wouldn't a, let them do it. They have a more rotating schedule yeah, than a high school. Yeah. High schools have every room booked almost throughout yeah, the day. So. I, I know when I was in high school, we certainly didn't have any lecture halls like this. No, definitely Ours not. were were smaller and crappier. Um, I love I, I dead grandmas. Dead grandma excuses are older than grandmas. <laughs> oh, but Sloane knows the. They're all so in on it together because Sloane plays her part perfectly. Yeah, and you you have to wonder like did. Ferris didn't seem to really plan this day out at all. He he does everything by the seat of his pants. But Sloane, even when she's told by an adult, the school nurse, oh, your grandmother died, and she just starts tearing up and acting like it's all real. And uh, But she knows Ferris is somehow behind it. She knows Ferris. She oh, yeah. does. Yeah. Well, the thing that I've noticed about Ferris, though, is none of the scenes last very long. He's always, you know, if you're making this stuff up, you don't want to stay in one place too long. So I think that's why you you jump around so that you don't get caught in your own... uh, yeah, well, it's lies. it's like when you do special effects in a movie. You don't let them look at it too long or they'll realize yeah, they'll it's fake. It yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and this is one of my favorite things because uh, yeah. Mr. Rooney is like, oh, dead grandmothers, come on. that's That can't be true. Yeah. And so he he thinks he's calling Sloane's dad mm-hmm. and it's really Cameron on the other end of the line. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it's, and to be fair, Mr. Rooney, Mr. Rooney's kind of the protagonist as well. His life gets uprooted a little bit, not as much as Cameron's, but um, he's just a, a high school principal doing his job. Yeah. He knows this kid is doing all these bad things and skipping school, and he's just trying to make sure that he follows the rules. But nope, Ferris is too slippery for him. But yeah. he got he got so focused on Ferris, he fo- he didn't realize that Cameron and, and um, Sloan and Sloan were working with him because this scene doesn't work in his head if he knew Cameron and Ferris were up to it. Because when he hangs up and um, 
Well, he Cameron's th- playing his dad on the other line, which he thinks <laughs> is Ferris. So he, he, right. you're right; he is fo- super so uh, super focused on Ferris because he's like, "Oh yeah, this is obviously Ferris impersonating Sloane's dad." So then. Ferris, knowing Mr. Rooney's, he's like a chess player. He's three steps (laughs) ahead of him all the time. He calls Mr. Rooney himself and doesn't even put on a sick voice. He's like, hey, Mr. Rooney, it's Ferris Bueller. Could my sister bring home my assignments, please? That'd be great. (laughs) And Mr. Rooney's already gravely insulted who he thinks is Sloane's dad now. And so Cameron's got to act up like he's insulted. What is that? A family member dies, and then you insult me. What the hell is the matter with you anyway? (laughs) That's what I'm about. My favorite moment in this scene, though, is when is when they show the light blinking, and you hear the bell ringing with each with each flash. Oh Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, it's and it's great because they don't really make movies anymore. The 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 good hijinks slash heist movie slash Mm -hmm. you know where it's a bunch of lovable misfits who aren't doing something right. They're doing something that they shouldn't ought to be doing. We all admit they shouldn't ought to be doing it, but we don't care. Yeah, you're on their side anyway. Yeah, because they're lovable misfits. Exactly. You know? Well, kind of like the, uh, the, the study group from Community. I'm going to smack you in the face. I did make a deal to watch that show, though, so we got... Yeah. We, I, it's going to happen. Yeah. If you'll watch Game of Thrones, sure. I'll watch Community, and Adam will watch Rick and Morty. Oh, but this is great. In that moment of dread where Grace is like, Mr. Rooney is online too. <laughs> and he's like, oh God, it wasn't Ferris Bueller. Or no, Ferris Bueller's Ferris online Bueller. too. And he's like, oh God, I've just insulted this guy. You should be but- sorry for crying. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. And then you insult me. What the hell, hell is the matter with you yeah. anyway? <laughs> but the thing is, none of them, the one thing that makes this is sort of a plot hole in the scene is that they don't realize that Cameron's not at school. Right. You know. Well, even if they did, though, would they really be upset about it? Because I bet Cameron hasn't racked up as many days off as Ferris has. Mm. And like you said, Cameron checks all of his boxes. He does his homework. He's responsible. He's probably a teacher's pet. So if he's out, they're probably like, oh, I bet Cameron's sick today. They they just and they don't think there's anything nefarious behind Cameron being out, where they just assume it is uh, with Ferris. But <laughs> call me sir. <laughs> it's just And I love that they're freaking out so hard in the office. Mind your P's and Q's, Buster, and remember who you're dealing with. And apparently that voice that he put on to be Mr. Rooney, or to be Sloane's dad, was uh, meant to make Matthew Broderick mess up and laugh. Because apparently yeah. Alan Ruck and Matthew Broderick were friends before they even shot this movie. Mm-hmm. So they, he was just trying to make him break on the camera. So a little yeah. tidbit. They, um, so on the set, Ferris had the bigger the trailers. Cameron's trailer was much smaller. So he left his trailer and spent the whole time in Ferris's trailer. <laughs> so they were really good friends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, apparently so. But um, it, what I I don't know that I ever noticed this when I was a kid. But when you see Ferris in the beginning of the movie, he has like nine costume changes. Oh yeah, yeah. where yeah. he's in the pinstripe shirt, and then he's in the bowling shirt, and then he's in the tiki shirt when he's out on the lawn tanning in his uh, chucks, and then he's in a like a James Bond three piece suit mm-hmm. when he's getting Cameron to prank call the school. Yeah. And Cameron goes a little off the rails because yeah. it, it, it couldn't be utterly perfect. Like they couldn't do it without a, a few hitches. Cameron does mess up and he's like, Rooney, I want to meet you out in front of the school. <laughs> and, and Ferris slaps him. He's like, no, what are you? Uh, never mind. We'll have lunch later. <laughs> Ferris kicks him in the ass. And yeah. just, Use I mean, your brain. Why'd you hit me? Use your brain. <laughs> 
Yeah, and I just I just love that whenever he goes up to the school to pick up Sloan, you know, <laughs> do you mm. have a kiss for daddy? <laughs> you know, like he's so just, that's how because, it is in their family. Because his his all his goal is to get away with it, and as soon as he's gotten away with it, it's okay if he reveals to Mister mm. Rooney. Haha, he's like he's like the jewel thief who you know leaves he's, the clue. He's a signature. He's he Zorro. Signature. <laughs> yeah. signature. Yeah. No, but the the other thing about the movie that interests me is that. The plot is so freeform because it's it's really just a, well, what do you want to do? I don't know. And then they just kind of wing it and decide to go off mm-hmm. and do stuff. But if, if that's the sense of it, it's almost it's almost like the movie had the same fairy godmother looking after it that Ferris Bueller himself did because the movie ties together brilliantly right. despite the fact that it is a bunch of cut scenes between a lot of different characters. So it's funny how it all ties together that way. Yeah. I'd love to see not a sequel, but because that would be terrible. No, yeah. But I would love don't, to see. Don't wish that on us. Yeah, you know, in Britain, um, the British do this wonderful thing where when they have a TV series that's popular, they'll do a Christmas special, and <laughs> y- you know, um, we've never done one of those <clears throat> in America. Well, we really we don't we don't do it like they do it because it'll be like a show that was on. It might be a show like Doctor Who, and it's on now, but it's just not its regular you know programming, right. and they just do a one-off Christmas special every year. But they'll also go back and they'll take shows that haven't been on the air in years and just get everybody back together and do a Christmas special. And it's okay. just one episode. It's like a reunion show. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So but, like on Doctor Who, like you, you, they'll have Sarah Jane come back and uh, just have yeah. a bunch of characters from well, different yeah. episodes. You kind of like a high school reunion. You know, yeah. you, you wonder what your high school friends are doing now. And, yeah. Oh. You know, if you could find out, you know, where Cameron and Ferris really were right now, it'd be... In here. That'd be something cool. The, the only problem is that I, I I suspect that we would not be able to uh, accomplish that without uh, the involvement of uh, Sarah Jessica Parker. So, oh, that's uh, some hate right there. <laughs> I, I, she has no part in this, so she uh, doesn't. No. She was not, but she was such an iconic '80s person too. Like she she was a big deal in the '80s, and she had her resurgence with Sex and the City many moons yeah. later. And, but, um, and now the the, the, true, iconic, the true star of the movie, the, the Ferrari 1961 250 GT California. Yes, yes. yeah. Which uh, you can pick one of those up nowadays for I think it was a million five. I think that's a pretty penny. Uh, and I wonder, like, do we know the backstory with this car? Because I know in Lethal Weapon, you said that they took a $10,000 gun and ruined it. Yeah, they did. Uh, yeah. What about this car? Like, did the person who loaned it to them, or they, no, you know, did, I don't, did they know they were going to ruin it? I don't know, because that yeah. I, I actually wonder that uh, watching the movie. It, the, it really wasn't a Ferrara. Ferrari. They made three out of kits. Oh, they were kit uh-huh. cars. They were all cars. kit cars. I didn't and, know that. And uh, they made them for... About twenty five thousand dollars a piece because back then that car would have sold even then like three hundred thousand dollars. Oh, okay. And, wow. Uh, but one of the kit cars just sold about two years ago at an auction for two hundred and forty thousand dollars. So uh Jeez. that's crazy. Yeah, so it it was made to look like a Ferrara but wasn't an actual um, Yeah, it was a Mo- Modena spider. Oh, okay. Yeah. Was well, what they actually were. A replica of the nineteen sixty one Ferrari two fifty GT California. Yeah. Which, uh, you know. I mean, it's still ooh. one of the most beautiful cars I've ever seen, whether it's a kit car or not. It is. Let's, and probably a surprisingly slow car. But let's just hope whoever yeah. bought yeah. the kit car did not coat it in velvet later, like our uh, neighbor well, if, with if, the if, velvet if, Maserati. If, yeah, if they drive around Avalon, apparently that's the thing. You have to coat your car in uh, velvet. In black yeah. velvet, yeah. yeah. 
Well, I think it is a slow car because if you remember the scene where the uh, two attendants took it for a ride. Yeah. If you if you notice when they go airborne, uh-huh. the sky, one shot when they went airborne, if you look in the sky in the back, it's all blue. Yeah. And the time they hit the ground, there there's, clouds. there's clouds everywhere. So it was in the air for a It was a very while. slow car, yeah. so it was a... It was a it has to be a slow car. Well, then that's that is very Death Race two thousand. You said all the star cars in that movie were the same. It, they were all oh yeah ridiculously slow, right? Yeah, they, yeah. half they of had them didn't push work. Them downhill. Yeah. yeah, most of that's why there's so many shots were of the cars going downhill in that movie. Oh, that makes because sense. It was the only way they could get some of them to do anything was to push them downhill. That's a bummer. It, so, they're almost like Flintstones cars that you have to paddle with your feet. Yeah. Like, it's just so, you know I like that Sloane's hair is very not eighties. She, yeah, she has a very she's not got straight brown. Yeah, hair. It's, it's a very not the big hair. Yeah. She doesn't look, you know, like Jennifer Grey, bless her, you know, she, yeah, she's, she, got the, she's, the she's 80s, she's got the here. 80s thing going on. Well, I mean, to be fair, though, Sloan is dressed very 80s. She's got the tasseled leather boots and oh, yeah, the shoulder yeah. pad jacket, the white well, leather jacket. Sloan hits the whole thing, though. I mean, she's got the hair, the clothes. She thinks Charlie Sheen's attractive. You know, that was an 80s. Those are 80s qualities. No, no, no. Jennifer Grey. Uh, uh, sorry. She's the one who Jennifer makes Grey, out with yeah. Charlie yeah, Sheen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And That's one of the first times a lot of us saw Charlie Sheen mm-hmm. ever, That yes. because Emilio was already, was Emilio already a big deal because the Breakfast Club did, which one came first? Breakfast Club, right? I think so. So, yeah, Emilio yeah. was already a pretty big deal, but I don't think it, anybody knew who Charlie was yet. Yeah, it came first because it actually, one of the license plates makes reference to the, to the, uh, um, to that movie we were just talking about. To the Breakfast about. Club. To the Breakfast oh, Club. The, so, um, it, yeah, the Breakfast Club was before this one. And that would make yeah. sense because apparently Molly Ringwald wanted to be uh, Sloan, oh, Ferris's go- girlfriend, yeah. but... Uh, Hughes allegedly told Molly Ringwald that the part wasn't big enough for mm-hmm. her, so it just didn't happen. Just so y'all know, I thought about getting a trench coat and coming in a trench coat tonight. That was my other option for a costume. <laughs> but but listeners, I, didn't, I was afraid I'd get arrested. Yeah, I was about to say that you got to be careful <laughs> doing that, though. That, yeah. Plus the fact <laughs> that Okay, it's, buddy, come on over here. That yeah. would have been commitment because it is exactly 100 degrees oh, yeah, outside yeah. right now, so I'm glad you went with the vest. Yeah. That's a much cooler option. And poor Cameron just hiding hiding in the, in the back. back of his own dad's car. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, Ferris just is Ferris is kind of a, a gentle but loving bully and in I, Cameron's. I just life. love that they're all reasonably smart people who don't understand that you can't roll back an odometer by going in reverse. No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean Was that ever a thing? Like No, that no, was never, never a, thing. a thing. Okay, because that's a <laughs> yeah. that's that's a plot point in uh the movie Matilda from the nineties, uh, where Danny DeVito has these cheap used cars that he sells. And he uh, ups the price on them by rolling the odometers back, yeah. so that to make it look like the cars have less miles on them than they do. So I I thought that that was a thing at least at no. some point. Well, and on old cars like that, if they had an odometer, um, it really wasn't that hard to roll them back. You know, you could just get in there and roll them back. Mm-hmm. It's not like today where it's a you know it, it's difficult. It's like breaking into Fort Knox. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why if you buy a car over what like twenty five years old, like on the register when you go to get it registered, they don't even bother asking you for the mileage. Yeah, for the mileage. Mm-hmm. Huh. And here we have Chicago. Chicago. Now, it's so fascinating to me that in the eighties, when you showed New York, inevitably New York was a dump. But Chicago was always popping up in movies as this beautiful, wonderful, kind of pristine. Si- city, yeah, 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 and it it wasn't. It was Chicago <laughs> was. I mean, it was better than it is today. Today, Chicago's horrible. I haven't been. I wouldn't know. <laughs> Me either. It, it's uh, Chicago is perfect example. Is I was in Chicago like two years ago, and we had a meeting, 
and I ducked out around like 11 o'clock, 1130, you know, lunchtime. Mm -hmm. And I'm used to stepping out in Atlanta at lunchtime and there's just millions of people everywhere. Oh, yeah. Going to lunch, walking to and fro. The middle of Chicago, downtown Chicago, on like a Tuesday at 1130, and I was the only person. It oh, was wow. like wow. being in a zombie movie. Yeah, that's creepy. Yeah, it was it was legitimately creepy, you know, because everybody's moved out. Oh, and here we go with the Pepsi can where they're yeah. taking up Save the collection. Fares. Save, Save fares. fares. Save fares. Hey, hey that's that, a good name for a band. Yeah. I think that may <laughs> have actually yeah. happened. Uh, Whoa. Buy Ferris a new kidney. I love that they think they can buy him a new yeah. kidney. <laughs> And, and what's really hilarious right here is that this guy doesn't seem to realize that Jeannie is Ferris's sister. Yeah, yeah. Like, nobody knows her. She just blends into the background. Like, she's just not, she's the antithesis of Ferris. She's not popular. She's, you know, but I think she just envies him so much that it, it just angers her. But um, it's this something I just read, actually. Uh, Cameron, I never really thought about it, but whenever, when I picture Cameron in my head, I see him in the Detroit Red Wings jersey. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that, apparently, is because uh, John Hughes, for the first 12 years of his life, he lived in Gross Point, Michigan, and loved the hockey team, which is why Cameron wears a Detroit, the Detroit gear in the movie, even though they're in Chicago. Oh, okay. So, because it never really struck me as odd, but it's just, I remember that Red Wings jersey for whatever reason. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think a lot of people remember him from that, you know. I mean, there's so many iconic images from the movie. For me, it's it's um, Ferris Bueller singing Don Shane in the oh, uh, sure. in the parade at the end. That's, oh, yeah. that's what I we've asked Universal yeah. to build a ride where we can yeah, the, <laughs> do the yeah. Ferris Bueller. Yeah, float. I want I want to do the Ferris Bueller ride. That would be amazing. That would be the best ride ever. You get to yeah. roll up in the Ferrari to the parade float, and then they give you the leopard vest, and you get to yeah. sing the song of your choice, whether it's Don Shane or Shake It Up Baby. Yeah, dealer's yeah. choice. Yeah. But, you know, watching this movie, it's the last time I saw this before we were, you know, we decided we were going to do it for the show. Um, I watched it with my with my kid. <clears throat> mm -hmm. And I always love watching movies that I grew up with with him because I like to see what lands and what doesn't land. And this whole movie landed. I mean, you know, he, he's nine years old and he's watching this and he's loving it. Well, nothing's mm -hmm. ridiculously topical in their references. I mean, the songs are very 80s, but... Uh, besides that, you don't have to have been alive during this time to appreciate this movie. Right. Skipping school for the day and going out with your friends in your right, dad's yeah. fancy car, that's a universal concept. I love the intricate uh, snoring, you know, <laughs> fake Ferris rig that mm -hmm. he does. Oh, builds. yeah. And people refer to that to this day uh, on The Office. Michael Scott does that in his, uh, in his office. He wants people to think that he's asleep at his desk. Uh, Steve Carell's character. And Stanley walks in and... He's like, Stanley, look, I've got a, a dummy a la Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And he goes, why sleeping at your desk better than you not being here? <laughs> and it's a funny bit on that show, but it's it's definitely a Ferris Bueller's thing. And I think that I this would work, I think. I think if you follow the lines, I think it would work. Yeah, because, I mean, it looks pretty realistic. I mean, the covers are covering him and it. Here, his mom, what else was she in? Because every time I watch this, and I've never bothered to look Ooh. it up, but I swear... I know I have to. I, I know I've seen both of his parents and other things. I've definitely mm -hmm. seen his dad. Yeah, yeah, I know that. Yeah, uh, I'll look up the mom, but uh, in the meantime, man, that house. Look at that wallpaper. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I even so saw nice. the outfit. I was telling my dad while you were picking up David. I was like, that is so an outfit my mom would have worn back in the eighties. Oh, even the the blonde iced hair. I remember mm. pictures. Oh yeah, oh, she yeah. had she hair had, like that. She had her hair cut like her too. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah they, no, that's what I'm saying. She had the iced yeah. hair back then. 
I would love to know what the story is with the guys at, on the observation deck with the bizarre hats. <laughs> yeah. I, I'd love to know. They're just in the corner, but the, yeah, they've got. It's the, like a David it, Lynch sort yeah, of thing. He just bit. has these two people with these bizarre hats on over mm-hmm. over on the side yeah. of the frame. I don't think know? I've ever noticed that before. I. It's like, are they sort of like Shriners? But <laughs> yeah, the wonder. Uh, okay, so Cindy Pickett is Katie Bueller at the mom. I was about to say the Sears Tower, but it's not the Sears Tower anymore that they're because they, it's it's they, yeah because back in eighty six this was it the was the Sears, tallest yeah, building it was yeah. the Sears Tower back then mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, oh, okay, so Cindy Pickett, Katie Bueller was in Son in Law, so I think she was the mom in Son in Law with Holly Shore. Probably that's probably where you remember her for. Yeah. She was in Age of the Living Dead, not Night of the Living Dead. Uh, yeah, I'm not recognizing any of these other movies, but yeah, that's where you've seen her. Yeah. And uh, Lyman Ward is the name of the dad, so Cindy and Lyman got married after this. Mm-hmm. You want to get married? Sure. <laughs> and he was he was in Independence Day, so I know you saw him in that, and he was yeah, also in Not yeah. Another Teen Movie with yeah. uh, Chris Oh, Evans, you know what? That's Captain what I, America. That's what I, yeah, I know Captain America with yep. a banana of his uh, tailpipe. Yeah, <laughs> not in the Eddie Murphy sense of the no. word, unfortunately. No. Yeah, it's a very interesting thing that they go from the Sears Tower to the uh, to the commodity market. Um, they just go to the most yeah. random places because you wouldn't <laughs> think that. Yeah, they go to the the stock market exchange, and then they wind up in a museum, which that's a very high school field trip thing to do. It's like of all the things you could be doing, like going to the movies or something that wouldn't be a school sanctioned event. Why are you going to a museum? And then they go to the fanciest French restaurant in the entire city. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All of the restaurants, uh, four thousand restaurants in the downtown area. Which I the, the, the outside, of, the, yeah, the location they pick for the outside, uh, the exterior shots of the restaurant. It's really, it's somebody's house. Yeah, it looks yeah. like a townhome. Yeah, mm-hmm. it looks like a townhome, and maybe it is. You know, oh, in fact, this, the interior might even be somebody's townhome. And this guy looks like Neil Patrick Harris, the maitre d' at the French restaurant. Uh, it's way yeah. too it's too old of a movie for it to be in the old Patrick Harris because he was still Doogie Howser back in the yeah. day. Well, if they do Ferris Bueller like the uh, the musical, he could play this. He could. Yeah, he, he could be the maitre d'. Yeah, he could be the maitre d'. But uh, Ferris is pretending to be Abe Froman, the sausage king of Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> and they even all three of them just sort of coincide with their their little sneakiness and make this plan work where mm-hmm. Ferris he he gets really uppity when the maitre d is like, "You're Abe Froman." No, I don't think so. Yeah, come on, get out of here. Time to go back to the clubhouse, kids. And even Sloan and Cameron get a little nervous for a second because yeah. they're like, Ferris, we're going to get busted. Come on. He goes, no, you only get busted if you get caught. Like, yeah. that, we, yeah. we can't if, back down. And yeah. if I do get busted, it's not going to be by, by a guy like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and Ferris commits. He is. He knows, mm-hmm. okay, all right, this is not going as planned, but I'm not going to blink. Mm-hmm. I am Abe Froman. I'm committed to it, and that's all there is to it, and I'm going to pull it off. And he does. Yeah, but the maitre d' is threatening to call the police, so Ferris, you know, heads him off at the pass and takes the phone himself and calls the restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) So he knows the maitre d', he's like, there's another phone in here, go find it if you want to call the cops. So he sends him away, because it it makes it look like there's another person calling, and he's like, no, you touch me, I yell rat. (laughs) (laughs) Go find another phone. Yep, so he cleverly gets rid of the maitre d', and then... uh, Cameron has the same voice for Sloan's dad as well as yeah, uh, yeah. hello this is George Peterson <laughs> Chicago chief of police <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. you fool the major D into thinking that he really called the police a and then uh then Sloan gets in on it and you 
this was what I always liked about this movie is that usually the girl is just the tag along, but Sloane was part of it. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. So he gets her on the phone and uh, he she's sort of his character reference where uh, the maitre d' is like, oh ma'am, can you? She's looking for Abe Froman and he's like, could you tell me what he's what he looks like, what he's dressed? And she's like, oh, white t shirt, leather jacket. He's just devastatingly handsome and but she's like yeah i'm looking for abe Froman, the sausage king of chicago it comes up like four times yeah and it it's sort of perverse too that he's consistently in this movie thwarting people who are basically just doing their jobs yeah <laughs> you know yeah. Well, because ferris is stealing somebody's lunch reservation yeah. he's skipping out on school <clears throat> he's all he's doing all these things that cameron would never do left to his own devices poor cameron well and what i always wondered is didn't Abe Froman show up at some point? Uh, if he did. He had a I, reservation. Yeah. You, you, you have to wonder because yeah. wouldn't they get busted when he does show up for his right, reservation? Yeah. Especially if, I guess he just didn't because there was never any upset over that. I almost wonder if there was a scene filmed where the real Abe Froman showed Gets up. thrown out. <laughs> and they got thrown out. <laughs> that would be should have been. There should have been a scene with that. That would have made it even better. But yeah, they're just... Uh, Oh, I love that when he, he's munching on the ice out of the glass of water. But yeah, they're just sitting. They clearly don't belong there. They're a bunch of high school kids. And Cameron's in a Gordy Howe shirt. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah. it's yeah. so obvious that they're high school kids. But Cameron's like, oh. Or no, Ferris looks at Cameron and he goes, and you thought we wouldn't have any fun. <laughs> just everything about him is just a smooth operator. He just He's good at what he does. Aww. And here we go. His sister... You know, trying to rationalize. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody else loves him, well, shouldn't I? Yeah. Yeah. For a second, she's like, maybe Ferris isn't such a bad guy, and then she's like, nah, screw him. <laughs> Just to say. she and Mister Rooney are so singularly fixated on Ferris. Uh, there's even a point where Mister Rooney is saying, Grace, nah. When Ferris is 15 years from now, yeah. when he's looking back on his life, he's going to see the ruin his life has become, and he'll remember George Rooney yeah. <laughs> in Ed it or Ed Edward Rooney. Ed sorry. Ed Rooney. Sorry, George Peterson and yeah. Edward Rooney. So I mixed up their names. Yeah, you do feel bad for Cameron because his his whole world is it's not fun. It's not pleasant, and it is. It's such a good feeling whenever Cameron at the end basically decides. Well, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Well, even Ferris's description of Cameron's house. He says Cameron's house is like a museum. It's very beautiful and very cold, and you're not allowed to touch anything. Right, it's just like yeah. that's depressing, <laughs> but yeah, Cameron, but we but we've all known people like that. Yeah, you have. You know, and it just that's why he's sick all the time. He's got all yeah. these ailments because he's just driving himself nuts. Yeah, but uh, Jason, this is something that you and I have talked about before, as far as movie pitches. So the background for this movie pitch from John Hughes, apparently, he called the head of Paramount and pitched the film in one sentence. Uh, so the head of Paramount, Ned Tannen, said, uh, "I want to do this movie." Or Hugh said, I want to do this movie about a kid who takes a day off from school, and that's all I know so far. And Tannen had a good rapport with Hughes and just says, okay, go ahead. Because, well, when you're, when you're John Hughes, yeah, you know. People trust you. Yeah, because somebody like John Hughes, you could throw him. If somebody had said, okay, John Hughes, go make a movie about a kid who takes a day off from school. You know well, he's going to make it okay. a genius he, he, he would go and make Ferris Bueller, mm -hmm. you know. Um, well, and it's just like the Caddyshack pitch, because, Dad, do you know what the pitch was for Caddyshack? Nope, I don't. Uh, when uh, I'm blanking on Egon's real name. Oh, Rick... Uh, not, not, not Rick Jesus, Moranis. No, uh, um, I'm like, why'd you do that? Uh, I messed you up. Anyway, when he went to go pitch the movie idea, he was like, okay, Caddyshack. 
it's going to be Animal House on a golf course. <laughs> and that's all it was. And when he pitched, because he also directed uh, Ghostbusters, when he did that, he said, Ghost Janitors. And that was the pitch for Ghostbusters. So, Ghost Janitors. Was that, wait, was, did Ivan Reitman direct it? Ivan Reitman, yes. Thank you. Okay, yeah. Uh, Egon. I, yeah, he wasn't Egon. Oh, then I'm then I messed up. I'm sorry, but yeah, yeah Ivan yeah. Reitman. Sorry. Either way, uh, but didn't Egon direct Caddyshack? Um, it doesn't matter. Uh, I'm I'm transposing a lot of people. Yeah, you're, I'm you're, all you're, I'm all across the board. Sorry about that, listeners. I'm all over the place. But yeah, apparently yes, he back, did. Yeah, it was Harold Ramis. Oh, it was Harold yeah, Ramis. Was. Okay, awesome. So yeah, that that was just the. But apparently, that's a thing where you can just pitch a movie in one sentence. Whereas these days, I think you have to have. A mission statement, like an entire corporation built around a movie idea in order for it to get made. Oh, yeah. Or it just has to be a Transformers movie, in which case they'll keep making it until everyone's dead. So, And it has to be an action movie nowadays. You know, you can't, they don't really make any good comedies anymore. No. Like, they even had a meme. It was a fake movie poster with Dwayne The Rock Johnson on it, where he's got a tank top and he's looking over his shoulder at something and it says, the funny, smart aleck, tough, streetwise, intelligent cop comedy, which this guy will do until he's at least sixty. <laughs> so it's <laughs> and it's just it's just it's recycling all over the place. Yeah. But this movie is nothing like that. It's it it stands out. It stands alone as its own unique thing. So that's one of the things I think that makes people love Ferris Bueller so much is that it just stands out on all its right. own. John, John Hughes trivia: uh, How many movies did John Hughes direct? Wild guess. Five? More. Way more? or Twelve. Uh, Twelve. Eight. Eight, eight okay, movies. Okay, I wasn't okay. terribly off. Uh, Sixteen Candles. Yeah. Uh, kicked it all off. Breakfast Club. Uh, then Breakfast Club. And then one of my all-time favorites, Weird Science. Which Josh wants to do, yeah. so that's a teaser uh, yeah. for a feature episode. Yeah, Weird, Weird Science is fantastic. Then he did Ferris Bueller's. Okay. Then Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, which is a very funny movie and also one of the saddest movies. Uh, it's so sad. Yeah. Um... And then she's having a baby, which I don't think most people really. Uh, even, that's yeah. that one sort of was oh, that, a, a ship in the night. <laughs> yeah, that one. That one sort of just went, you know, eh, you know. Uh, but interesting thing. Do you know who the uh, either of you watched Downton Abbey? No. Okay. No. Well, I am, I'm, we're aware of Downton Abbey. Okay. But well, I don't, for I don't the millions of people who watched Downton Abbey. Um, is this the new community? <laughs> I don't want to hear about this. No. Uh, the uh, the lead in she's having a baby was Elizabeth McGovern. Who is the, um, which the, means absolutely nothing to me. <laughs> well, if you watched Down Abbey, you would. Okay, but anyway, and then after that, he did Uncle Buck, and mm-hmm. the last movie, oh, Uncle Buck, the last, the last movie that he directed, and I didn't realize this was the last movie he directed, was uh, Curly Sue. Ew. Yeah, I know. Mm, that's disappointing. That is <laughs> that is a sad swan song. Yeah. It is. But of course, John Hughes died. Tragically young. I mean, he wasn't even sixty years old when he died. Yeah, he was a relatively young um, man. And it got amazing. He's been dead for ten years now. Yeah, he did such epic stuff, though. Like apparently, with both the baseball game and the parade, they crashed both of them. They were active games slash parades because mm-hmm. yep. uh, the scene with the crew uh, at the Cubs game was shot while the actual game was playing. Like you mentioned, Dad, and you said what? What was the trivia you knew about the games? Well. The, w- Ferris Bueller fans have always tried to figure out what day Ferris Bueller took off. Uh-huh. And so um, the the idea is that you trace that back to that ball game when the, when the Cubs were playing the Braves. And mm-hmm. it's like June the 4th, 1980. 
I don't have my notes, but six or whatever six it was, or something yeah. like that. So, but the game that you know, the, the first reference to the game is actually on the TV when uh, Mr. Rooney tracks him to the pizza parlor. Yep. Uh-huh. And uh, the game that's on the TV that shows Ferris catching the ball and then they cut to that game mm. is different. A different team's playing than the right. one that's actually on the field. So that throws when off their watching whole, it. So yeah, their whole theory. But, but the Braves were playing. The Braves were were the team playing the um, the Cubs that day. So um, yeah, but they could bring it a little home. But when they actually showed up and they're they're in the stands yelling, uh, "Hey, bada 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 bada, swing bada, Kennedy, 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 swing bada." But uh, apparently Hughes, uh, not to be outdone, had the crew crash an actual Von Steuben Day parade to shoot the parade scenes. They entered a float into the annual procession in downtown Chicago, but didn't inform parade officials or judges that they that they were planning on doing that. So, like, some pickups were shot for the next day after an invitation was put out to the local radio asking for people to take part in a John Hughes movie. So they utterly crashed the Von Steuben yeah. parade, <laughs> which is just so probably classic. The, probably the biggest parade. I was about to say. Yeah, in all of Chicago, yeah. yeah. Maybe you, you would second hope, only to Thanksgiving, Macy's Thanksgiving yeah, Day Parade. You would hope that they were they were cool about it, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, well, they, yeah, eighty six people are yeah. were cooler about things like you know, that, you know. And Sid Germans, people got less offended about things. I mean, Sid Germans are cool about things. They don't get bothered by stuff. <laughs> Not for a long time. No. They anyway, no, <laughs> no, they like it when surprises happen and things don't go exactly as planned. Yeah, that's their favorite thing. It ever. would take John Hughes out and shoot him. Oh, uh, but yeah, and apparently with opening weekend, uh, Rodney Dangerfield bested the movie. Uh, when it opened, it says uh, Back to School opened the same weekend as Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Apparently. And had a better box office what opening a, landing. What a weekend! It landed the number one spot. I know. We, uh, you it's can funny. see back to back to school and see Ferris Bueller in the theater. That, so, so, so one guy's going to school while another one's skipping school. Right. <laughs> so yeah. There you yeah. Go. So, Twist and Shout by the Beatles was used in both of those movies, and because oh, yeah. they because they opened at the same time, the Beatles' Twist and Shout got back on the top twenty chart <laughs> fifteen years after the Beatles had um, broken up. Well, That's good hilarious. for the Beatles. <laughs> Hey, that's just a little more revenue in their yeah. pockets. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. Which, I, which God knows they need. Yeah, yeah they poor need, Paul they, McCartney. They really do need I him. think the kids are actually collecting <laughs> change for him in a Pepsi cup now because he's just he's just yeah, so bad yeah. off. But uh, and this is where uh, things really go off the rails with Mister Rooney because he stalks Ferris to his home, mm-hmm. which in all of my years in school, no matter, I didn't get into this kind of trouble uh, when I was in school. But I can't see a, a high school principal actually coming to your house. The parents are supposed to go to the yeah, school. <laughs> I, I agree with that. I, I that's something that is a little strange. Maybe this was yeah. the um, the allusion to uh, Jeffrey Jones's sickness in real life, <laughs> or some sort of foreshadowing. Who knows? He's creeping maybe, on children yeah, during yeah, the day. Maybe. It's not good. Well, I think the I think the scene though, when you go back to the scene where Ferris is in his trench coat, I think that's where that's where Rooney put it all together. I really oh, think yeah, that yeah. was a turning point. Yeah, because it's like Jason then, said. Then he kind of takes a dark, almost he takes a dark turn after that. It, he gets an yeah. obsessive yeah. quality. Well, it's, it's, he, yeah, he yeah. goes he goes all Captain Ahab, mm. you know. Yeah, Ferris is his yeah. white whale. Yeah. Yep, for sure. But yeah, and it, like at every turn, if, if there's anybody who's more opposite to Ferris Bueller, it's, it's Mr. Rooney because everything that can, he is Murphy's Law. Everything that can will go wrong with mm-hmm. him because he steps in the mud 
Uh, he tears his pants. He's trying to break into the house. He's messing up his suit, and then he his, gets chased by the dog. His car gets towed. <laughs> his car gets towed. <laughs> well, let's. let's oh, and here's we'll, the here's the. It's almost that yeah, Star see, Wars see, style see, shot. No clouds. Yeah the um the station. See, no clouds. Yeah, the Star Wars theme no is playing. And enter the clouds. And you see the odometer sneaking up in miles. Yeah. There's a the cloud. Yeah, and, and yeah, you're right. It went from a completely clear, mm. uh, cloudless day, and then it's just a very cloudy sky. Yeah, so. and, to, and going back to Mr. Rooney, to be fair, he is almost certainly going to jail at, at the end of this movie. Especially having yeah. technically, he didn't assault Jeannie, but he had broke. He had, uh, yeah. No, I mean, she assaults him because yeah, well, yeah. well, the two people who hate Ferris the most wind up back at the Bueller's house. Mister Rooney, who sneaks in through the dog door, and Jeannie just comes back to bust Ferris, thinking that he's just goofing off at home. But then she comes home to find. I guess she doesn't recognize him at first because she's just in shock at the fact that a man has broken into her house because she screams and kicks him in the face. And but then she's not reporting that Mr. Rooney's in her house. She's like, "There's a there's a man in my house," and she doesn't recognize right. him at first mm-hmm. until later when she picks up his wallet and she's got that to blackmail him for Ferris later. Yeah. Well, so, it, there's nothing like a good common enemy, enemy to bring people together. In other words, both Ferris and yeah. his sister hate Rooney more than they he well, she hates him. So yeah, she, well, she has a change of heart. I guess Charlie Sheen uh, apparently once you kiss Charlie Sheen, your life changes yeah. for the better, which is <laughs> not what I've heard lately. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, not in reality. No, but um, yeah. So she she kisses a boy at the police station when her mom picks her up, and then she just she's in a better mood, and she somehow finds it in her heart to cover for Ferris instead of selling him out to the principal. So right, yeah funny how that works and mm-hmm. despite the fact that i think it's strange they go to a museum i do love the museum scene oh yeah with the it's, music. it's a great sequence yeah, yeah the music playing in the background uh, them all hand in hand with all the little kids uh going through on their field trip well and it's got that great scene with cameron uh staring at the, the pointillism and, yeah yeah and, and and just focusing on that one little aspect of the painting mm-hmm. you know um he he is having a pretty rough life he is. You know, he's he's not a happy person. But it's his sense of normal. Right. So he yeah. doesn't realize there's something wrong with it. Right. Ferris is the only one bringing it to his <clears> attention <throat> that he shouldn't be this miserable and this sick all the time. Right. But yeah, they, you see all the priceless works of art as they go through the museum. And I honestly don't know why they added this scene or what it really does. It's just a and, sweet, it's a sweet montage. Yeah. You know? No, I like it. Don't get me wrong. It's one of my favorites, actually. But uh, it, it, it seems like something that would have been mercilessly cut by the producers or the editor later on for some reason, but it, I'm glad that it made the There's a lot clip. of character happening here, though. I mean, you, you get this this glimpse of Ferris Bueller and Sloan kissing. Yeah. And, and, and the scene with Cameron when he just, he stares, and we keep pushing in closer and closer and closer on the painting, and he's looking at that kid standing next to his mom. Mm-hmm. And with the, his little uh, British lady yeah. <laughs> sun hat. Yeah, and it and it's, it's interesting because it's like is the kid is he screaming? It almost looks like he has a, like cuz his mouth is wide open. Yeah. So it's like what what's happening and it just keeps pushing in. Well, yeah, his pointillism it's yeah. it's it's not Monet, but it's it's like that sh- joke that Cher made in Clueless where pointillism and monet are kind of similar in just in the sense of this joke where she's like yeah i mean from far away it's really beautiful but up close it's just a big old mess because like, right, once you yeah. get up, once you really close in on pointillism you're just like oh yeah it's just a bunch of dots i mean yeah, they, yeah. they add up to a, a big pretty picture but once you get close that's not where it's pretty right yeah but yeah you see like ferris and sloan are very happy and cameron's just 
turmoil and, in the inside. And it, then they, this is where they see his dad. Yeah. They, yeah. And then all he, these... they all drum down. And I always thought it was funny that the dad didn't recognize Sloan. his son's girlfriend. girlfriend. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. And she made googly eyes at him, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. She, well, no, she puts on the shades to, yeah, but, to disguise her. No, no, no. She's, uh, she's like smooching at him and stuff through yeah. the window. Yeah. But yeah, he doesn't your, recognize his, your his son's, son's girlfriend. You don't recognize yeah. your son's girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. But oh, but even Cameron, he can't even enjoy having a fun day off because no, and no, Ferris he can't. is like, we went to a museum, we saw priceless works of art, we had a great meal, and then Cameron starts making that gorilla face where he's like, look over there, and of all the <laughs> of all the cabs. Of all the gin joints in all the world, yeah. you had to walk into mine. Their dad is literally, his dad is right next to him. <laughs> Chicago is such a small town. Well, yeah. You know. yeah. yeah. I mean, you run into people. And it's got a small town feel, I guess. That's yeah. what I've heard. I think President Obama said that. Because yeah. that's where he's from. So, yeah, small town Chicago. But well, yeah, Sloan yeah. looks right at him. Even though she's got sunglasses on, you would think that Mr. Bueller would recognize yeah, her. Yeah, you would think. And she's flirting with her boyfriend's dad, which is a little weird. yeah. While uh, Ferris and Cameron are rubbing a rabbit's foot and, yeah, and yeah. hiding in the footwell of the taxi cab. Well, you know, I mean, it's it's 80s movies logic. You know, yeah. you, you can put sunglasses on and suddenly be completely, you know, uh, a well, different person. Yeah, it's Clark Kent logic. Yeah, yeah. People don't recognize <laughs> Superman just because he doesn't right, wear glasses. Yeah, yeah. And he's in a cape, so I guess it's a little bit of a different outfit. But uh, going back to the Beatles, apparently Paul McCartney approved the use of the song in the film. But he was angry with the final cut because it was it was all about good timing that allowed them to use the Beatles song uh, since Paul McCartney was doing like a round of approvals and stuff. But he wasn't happy with how the song was portrayed in the final cut because they overdubbed brass horns from the marching band. So he wasn't happy about that with the with, with the parade scene. Oh, so. You know what, Paul? Come on. Cry me yeah. a river, Paul McCartney. Your yeah, life is ser- so terrible. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think one of the iconic scenes, though, is in the parade when Ferris Bueller's singing Don Shane. Oh, yeah. You know, every, you know who do, who wouldn't want to be in the parade singing Don Shane? Absolutely. You know, the crowd's going wild. But when they, uh, the reason that Don Shane was in the movie was because John Hughes hated the song. Because he said when he was growing up, his parents listened to it a lot. And uh-huh. he just hated that song. So they used it. And when they told Ferris he was going to be singing it, he didn't know the song at all. So he was um, he was trying to rehearse it, and they he was rehearsing one time during a shower scene, and that's when he made the mohawk. And he was which singing, wasn't scripted, which was not scripted, and he was singing Donkey Shane as they practice. And John Hughes <laughs> said, "Wait, stop! We got to get this," and it added it to the movie. So. Yeah, because you said like with him messing with his hair and doing the little mohawk mm-hmm. with the shampoo, none of that was in none the, of the in scripted. The, yeah, none. he was just getting ready for it. Not at all. But it's funny, like, with all these extras, you got to wonder who are the people who were actually attending the Steuben Day Parade and who were the ones that were summoned to be extras mm-hmm. in the movie. Yeah. Because not only does Ferris get to get up and sing on a parade float in the middle of Chicago, so that's a huge deal. And you gotta, you've got to assume that this is being broadcast. So he doesn't get caught despite that. And he actually um, incites a flash dance when he starts singing "Shake It Up, Baby," yeah. all those people on the mm-hmm. steps that are just doing—they all know the steps to the to the dance. Well, yeah, again, because you know, eighties movies. Yeah, yeah. It, of course, you know. Well, they're all professional dancers. 
that just happened to be there. They just happened. <laughs> well, to I mean, be come at on, watch, watch any movie about teenagers in the fifties. You know, it's like my parents have said. Do you think we knew how to do any of those dance moves? We didn't know how to do any of those dance moves. You know, mm. you watch all these movies, and it's like we were all great dancers. Yeah, Moon Doggy and Gidget were just shaking those moves yeah, at the lambic. Yeah. yeah, it's like no, we we didn't know how to do any of that. Nah, no. We were just as bad as you are now. <laughs> it's like, well, then dirty dancing has wildly misled me in life, so. Well, so did Footloose. Yeah. Yeah, that was another one where it's like, uh, there's a lot of people who know how to dance. I need a factory to dance in to yeah. <laughs> dance out my feelings. Very Jimmy Jr. pesto. Yes. Don't tell me not to dance, Dad. <laughs> but yeah, yeah it's, it's funny how the entire parade, like, fair, it is like you said, Jason, he's kind of like a wizard because mm -hmm. his charm is just infectious. And when he, he's not even singing Shake It Up Baby, he's... He's uh, lip syncing to it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's not even him, but everybody in the city is just losing their minds and dancing along, and it's just the charm of Ferris Bueller. Yeah, the charm of Ferris Bueller. That's well put. Well, yeah, it's it's the whole yeah. it's the magic, and then he just inspires you know groups of of organized dancers to just begin dancing. Yeah, yeah. they yeah, needed. It's, it's a wonderful thing. It's just it's you. You go to a movie like this just to enjoy yourself and have fun. Exactly. You know? It's And it's not even a movie where you really have to suspend your disbelief. It's just so fun that you don't yeah. care about the the discrepancies. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. Because ultimately, it's like, yeah, you know, the dad doesn't notice the girlfriend. Jeannie doesn't recognize Mr. Rin, but who cares? Like, it's Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Ferris right. just wanted to have a, a fun day. Yeah. He deserved it. And, you know, that's why I think we're all rooting for him because we all would love to have a day where we're not accountable to anybody right. just go do exactly oh, what yeah, we want yeah. to even the yeah. guy cleaning the windows up on a up on a pulley on the side of a building is dancing yeah. a little yeah. baby in a Babies stroller everybody's yeah. losing their minds yeah and though you see really all the 80s fashion the big horn-rimmed glasses and it was all. a wonderful time <laughs> it was wonderful we all look like idiots but we enjoyed ourselves unless we lived in new york because then it was you know nothing but hookers and <laughs> that was before the, all was, the celebrities in uh, yeah. Spider-Man costumes. No, I mean, it just amazes me how clean Chicago looks in this movie compared to how New York looked in every movie. Yeah, because they always know? made New York, and even like what we said on um, Night Shift, where they had to make it look like it had just rained in New York all the time right, yeah, because of the yeah. drab cement of the sidewalk. Yeah. It's in, But that almost gives it a depressing quality, too, because it's like, oh, it's always raining in New York. But that's not even true. They just had to do that for yeah. cameras. yeah. Yeah, apparently, uh, something I read is that Matthew Broderick had more choreography than he was supposed to do on the float because he's a, he's a Broadway musical guy. Like, oh yeah, he's, he's, he's a he's a, he's a singer, guy, he's a yeah. dancer. He can he he can do it all. But uh, he had injured his <clears throat> knee, so the choreography that he was really supposed to do, he couldn't commit to because he had injured himself. So he just sort of you know aced it on his own and <laughs> just sort of stomped around and hopped with all the girls in skirts dancing. So yeah, yeah, all, all the German girls. Well, and it, this is another guy that we talked about, Marty McFly, when we did Back to the Future, about how you wouldn't know from this movie, because of all the charisma that these characters have, that Ferris Bueller, in real life, Matthew Broderick's like five foot five, and yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Michael J. Fox is five foot three. Yeah. But in these movies, they seem so larger than life, and... Because, Jason, wasn't it you who said you thought that Tom Cruise was shorter than they were, and he's not? He's yeah, got like four yeah, or five yeah. inches Tom on Cruise them, is actually taller than them. Which is yeah. crazy. Oh, and now you get this this awesome scene where people are starting to deliver flowers and candy and stuff to Ferris's house. The entire it's like his his charm is so infectious that it gets to the entire town. Oh yeah, well I mean it, it even gets to the baseball game. It gets to the baseball. Yeah. Oh, on the um, 
on the, yeah, on the jumbotron. jumbotron. The jumbotron, yeah. 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 Oh, and the, yeah. on the water tower, the water safe tower. Paris. That's one of my favorites. Oh, and little me hated this because I'm a big lover of dogs, but Mr. Rooney knocks out the Rottweiler. He hits him in the head with a with a clay pot uh, that was meant for Ferris. It had flowers in it, and I, that made me solidify. It solidified my hatred for Mr. Rooney big time that he knocked out the dog. How did he do it? What did he give him? No, he didn't give him anything. <clears throat> uh, the, there were flowers delivered to Ferris, and uh, Mr. Rooney smacked the dog on the head with the planter. Oh, right, right. So right he didn't drug right. him or anything. Right. But Jeannie, somehow the mom doesn't realize that there's a dummy in Ferris's bed, but Jeannie does. Yeah. She picks it up. Well, and she she opens the door so violently that the, mm-hmm. the mannequin falls apart. And she's just like, I knew it. And she's trying to hunt down Ferris. And the fact that he's not at home, she's immediately calling her mother to rat him out. But, yeah. but since she rushed into the house so quickly while Mr. Rooney was uh, knocking out the dog, he thinks that it's Ferris come back to the house. Mm-hmm. So that's what prompts him to... Oh, Jeannie left the door open, so Mr. Rooney just walks in, like you do. Yeah. Jeannie did pretty good on the uh, the car. I mean, she got a terrible car, but at least it looked good. Yeah. 80, 80, what was it, 84, 85 Pontiac Fiero. Wasn't that the one that had the Breakfast Club? Yeah, 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 TBC. TBC. Yeah, on the uh, license plate. So Mr. Rooney is now, he's committed criminal trespass. Yes, he has, breaking and entering criminal trespass. (laughs) Oh, and something I never noticed, uh, you would think that these characters interact more, but actually Principal Rooney and Ferris just speak at each other. Yeah. They oh, never yeah. have a conversation. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And I never realized that because it's Ferris on the phone telling him, oh, I need my sister to bring home my assignments or Rooney talking to Ferris at the end where he's like, oh, you're busted now, you little twerp or whatever it is. But they never speak to each other. Oh, but that, that's a great choreographed moment where Jeannie and Mr. Rooney jump out at each other at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> And he gets, you know, that good, you know, triple kick in the face. Yeah, which um, I heard that Bruce Lee actually came in to do those stunts yeah, for Jeannie. Because yeah, yeah. she's got a kick on her, jeez. She had her 80 uh, shoes and um, leg warmers on, too. She yeah, so. oh yeah, her outfit <laughs> is so yeah. 80s. Painfully so. Well, you know, and as the movie goes on, we we have reality creeping in. And we're getting to the moments when... You know, <clears throat> when they go and they pick up the car mm-hmm. and we know what's happened to the car, you know, so. Um, yeah, the audience is aware that the odometer is yeah, off the charts now with more miles That's on the it. linchpin mm-hmm. that's going to get Cameron in trouble. Um, and uh, it's going to ultimately lead to Cameron's complete breakdown. Yep, that's the and, one and, thing yeah. they can't. They can't disprove, basically. Right, and it's it's things are going to start going beyond the control of Ferris Bueller. Mm-hmm. You know, at this point, he's he, you know, he said earlier, you know, a you can't go too far, but he has. He's mm-hmm. gone too far, and he's not going to be able to fix this on his own. Nope. It will not be able to fix it at all, really. Right. Yeah. Because nobody can fix it. It's just. Honestly, it's kind of a rough day for Cameron. He does he spends the entire day stressed out and then he takes the heat for something that his friend talked him into doing. Right. Which yeah. I mean, Cameron made the choice to go with him and all that stuff, but it's just like, oh. I love that the police don't believe her when she tells them that there's an intruder in the house. Well, she does go a little off the rails with her description. She's like, I'm very I'm very young and very cute and I don't want to be assaulted, so yeah. please send an officer to my yeah. house. 
But yeah, that is kind of crazy. Like, aren't they obligated to look into calls? Yeah, like you, you'd think so. Yeah. Police, like, we actually, one of my uh, coworkers accidentally misdialed 911, and an officer still showed up to our to our office to make sure that everything oh, was yeah. Yeah. in order. Yeah. But and that was just that was just an accident, and they didn't even speak to anybody. So I, I find it very strange. Yeah, that they didn't show up to help her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and there's Rooney's car getting towed, mm-hmm. and the, his jacket's split open. Like he's just—he looks like were, his plants were split in the back. Yeah. He's just had yeah. a rough day. He's had a very rough day. I remember Nose. being in houses back then that had intercoms. That was that was a thing. I, I had a, I had an aunt that had an intercom system in her house, I and then those depend- just went away completely. I think it depended on the size of the house too, because uh, our my friend growing up, Katie Bean, she had one of those at her house, but they had that really gigantic house like out past the high school but i'm not used to seeing intercoms in a house that's just no it's rare it's rare mm-hmm. now we have them because you know if you have uh amazon uh you know echoes you you've got intercoms because you can just oh, you know, yeah. talk between the rooms but that's sort of the modern incarnation of the old 80s household mm-hmm. communication system well, yeah, this house was made, or excuse me, this film was made in the 80s, and it's a very 80s film. It's not like they're trying to imitate an 80s film, yeah. you know, back in 2000 or maybe yeah, the it's 90s. Yeah, it's the genuine article. Everything about this is uh, is authentic. Oh, this, yeah. this established things that, well, this and Breakfast Club and 16 Candles, sure. you know, All it established things that, yeah. that, yes, laid ground rules for how a particular genre of 80s movie would work. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, <laughs> this is the part where Cameron yeah. freaks out <laughs> Yeah, because <laughs> uh, they stop in traffic and they see how many miles that the attendants put on it. And it's got over 3000 miles on it now. And you hear Cameron scream around the world. Oh no, this is the part where Cameron goes berserk. That's yeah. what it is. Cause he has that big scream and then he literally goes catatonic for, uh, I guess a couple of hours. I don't really know. They don't, they don't tell you. See, and what's interesting, too, is given Cameron's parents, you know, Cameron is he's freaking out about getting in trouble. And I, I've always been curious, what what was his dad going to do to him? Like, was his dad going to hit him? Was his dad going to, you yeah, know? Yeah, because you never so much as see right, his yeah, dad. Yeah, it's but, all, and there's always been the possibility that Cameron's parents, I am sure they were, but were they as bad as everybody made them out to be? You yeah, know, because we don't Ferris, know. Ferris never talks trash about Cameron's parents. He just sort of talks general trash about Cameron's life, about how like the house is really cold, like a museum, and Cameron's so stressed out, and Cameron's this, and Cameron... But it's never, oh yeah, his father's an abusive alcoholic or something crazy like that. You don't... They, but they, they still paint a really menacing picture of his dad despite that. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's not like, you know, is he going to throw Cameron out of the house? Cameron can't go to college. You know, what what's going to happen? In this yeah. Scenario? And why was he so upset about additional mileage? They, yeah. they already had miles on the car. Yeah. So yeah. they would just have to, in their mind, they why wouldn't they just run the car more in reverse if yeah. they were going to take the miles off? Yeah. They still had time. No, but it wasn't working though. They weren't taking well, the miles off the They didn't know that. Yeah, but yet. that was their plan. Though. Oh, uh, at okay. that point in time, they were still planning. So, <clears throat> got it. Yeah, because the dad. Well, they make a point in the beginning of the movie to say that the dad knows the exact mileage right. to imply that he doesn't want any more on it. But I mean, does it really hurt the the car to have maybe what two thousand more miles on it? Yeah, because those, it still has guys, less than five thousand miles. They did a lot of driving that day. Yeah. 
Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, they, they covered they, some ground. They really did. You know, they went to Canada and back. <laughs> they had to. <laughs> you know? But this is also, this is the part of the movie where, you know, talking again about reality creeping in, where Ferris is talking about, you know, I'll go to one school, he'll go to another, and basically that'll be that. And that's about mm-hmm. as bummer as yeah. as Ferris gets throughout the entire movie. He's just like, I do love Sloane. Because earlier in the movie, we didn't talk about this. They're at the stock exchange, and he's like, hey, Sloane, you want to get married? Today, let's go get married today. And she's like, yeah, you're crazy. No, we're not. And he's like, why not? I'd be a good husband. And he, obviously he hasn't really thought it through, but he he's like, yeah, I love Sloane, but, you know, I'm, I'm a senior and she's a junior, so I've got to deal with that. And... Ferris's speech right here where he's talking about Cameron, who, who Cameron's going to fall gonna in line up with. with yeah. and because she's given him the, what he's built up in his mind is the be all. It is so, and all be all of it is so absolutely accurate. I mean, I'm telling you, I know, I know Cameron. I think we yeah. all do. You know, mm-hmm. everybody's got a Cameron because it just he he's the kind of guy that settles for what he thinks he deserves. And when people treat him badly, that's what he thinks yeah. he deserves out yeah. of life. Yeah. Which is really sad. Uh, but this is his, you know, big character arc. We're building up to it because he he goes into a, like a comatose state, even though he's awake. And uh, here here's your iconic pool scene, Dad. Where <laughs> which I don't understand why they did this. Uh, so Sloane and Ferris get into a hot tub, and they put Cameron in a chair on the diving board. Yeah. Like a, why a, is the why a, coma, a comatose a Cameron. comatose Cameron they on the diving from, board? They took him from the lake to the swimming pool and put him on the diving board. Yeah, <laughs> which okay. <laughs> That doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but and well, this yeah. I think this is where he's really testing Ferris to see how much because Ferris does take advantage of him quite a bit, but mm-hmm. it's for the sake of making Cameron happy and push forcing him to go on adventures. But this is Cameron testing Ferris to see how much he really loves him because he right. does yeah, jump yeah, into yeah, a yeah. pool to save his life. Well, I mean, to be fair, that's not that much of a test. It's not like there's alligators in the pool. Right? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, but the, if he thinks he's comatose, he's going to drown. So, you know. Can't, no, but what I mean please. is, like, for if Ferris really isn't risking a whole lot, you know, jumping in to save. Yeah, it's Cameron, not like an Indiana no Jones yeah. rescue right. or anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With snakes all around him. No, I, 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 I think he wanted to see the emotional reaction. Yeah, exactly. That's know, what I'm saying. You know, he it's to just see, a test of know, their friendship. Because, you know, Ferris Fer- <laughs> Fer- 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 is freaking out. He wakes up smiling. What is that, Ferris Bueller? You're my hero. <laughs> uh, oh, it's a great movie. Or a great moment. Yeah, they're good friends. They are. Throws him in the water and then throws Sloane in the water and everybody's happy again. Yeah, so. that's what you, right. you, know, you get mad, just throw everyone in the water. <laughs> that's how That's how all pool parties Cheetah. should like, Yeah, what is it with him in leopard print? His vest is leopard print. Yeah. His boxers are under... His, There's uh, probably another story there. You gotta wonder. <laughs> I do much wonder, but oh, here we go. Here's Charlie, Charlie Sheen. Sheen. And apparently there was an entire backstory for Charlie Sheen, uh, the character that didn't make the film. And uh, according to a 1986 documentary, Charlie Sheen's character's name is actually Garth Volbeck. Oh. There was going to be a whole backstory to his character and family. It was also revealed that Ferris's realtor mom was showing the house for sale to the Volbecks. So if you look closely, the tow truck that towed Rooney's car was from Volbeck's wrecking oh. service. So it all ties yeah. together. But That's you know, interesting. You, but you don't understand why he... Oh, no, you do know why he's there, because he's looking at Jeannie and he goes, Drugs? She goes, No, thank you, I'm straight. And he's like, I mean, do you? are you in here for drugs? And she goes, No, what are you in here for? 
drugs. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. So that's a pretty short story. Yeah, and it's it's really almost like they just got Charlie Shane to show up and just say the truth, Charlie. Yeah, just be just, you. Just be you. Stay you awake know? for two days. That'll help. But yeah. you know, yeah. that's commit. My dear boy, why don't you simply try acting? <laughs> Very Lawrence Olivier of him. But yeah, he's got that crazy spiked up bird hair and he's kind of getting under Jeannie's skin. He's like, you wear too much eye makeup. My sister wears too much. Like, people judge her for that. Mm. Like, it's a, it's a whole thing. And at first, she's really irritated by him. But next thing you know, because the mom is in there picking her up for making, quote, unquote, a phony phone call to the cops. Which so they, just they, the, so a phony phone call yeah. warrants an arrest, but not the possibility of an intruder in a, in a woman's house. I yeah, don't understand apparently that. apparently not. It's the strangest thing. Yeah, it, it is. It's so unfair what happens to Sloan, you know? Well, it, not Sloan. Uh, uh, Jeannie. Jeannie, you know. Uh, it is because, and she, but Charlie Sheen sort of puts it in perspective for her because Mr. Rooney never loses that Ahab focus on Ferris, whereas Jeannie, Charlie Sheen sort of releases her from that. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Why do you care what your brother does? Does it matter?" And she's mm-hmm. just like, "Well, mm-hmm. why should he get to do everything and have all the fun, and I don't?" And he's like, "Who cares?" Yeah, he does. A, he does a good job of uh, you know psychoanalyzing her. Yeah, the uh, problem is you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse you. You should spend more time focusing on yourself. Like, yeah. Yeah, and it's true. You know, yeah. you, you that's sort of the secret. If you if you're if you're focusing on everybody else, there I, one thing I can guarantee you is you're not going to be happy. Oh yeah. You know, well, that's uh, even some sage advice my dad gave me when I was growing up. He said, Jade, if you have an emotional reaction to everything that happens to you, you're literally never going to be happy. Mm-hmm. And that that stuck with me. You told me that a long time ago, but that I was like, yeah, that's, that's wise words. Wow. But that's Jeannie. She just gets upset about everything that Ferris does, so she's never happy. <laughs> oh yeah, she's about to deck Charlie yeah. Sheen, but uh, yeah, we yeah. see them. They got the cement block. They're mm-hmm. lethal weaponing the car. <laughs> they, mm-hmm. they press down the gas pedal to make it go in reverse. Yeah, this is again. They're they're sharp kids. Um, you would think that they would at least go, "Hey, I wonder if this will work. Let's try it," and then discover it doesn't work and come up with something else. But they just run the thing. Yeah, they and, just well, it's like everything else in Ferris's life. He tries something. He's like, "Hey, this will work," and yeah, just assumes that yeah. it's going to. And for the most part, that's true. Everything else that he tries, well, yeah, it sort it of works the, out. Yeah, it's this Peter Pan thing where reality is creeping in, and so Ferris's powers are starting to fail yeah. a little bit. You know, and he's not able to. Uh, you know, he's not able to to pull this off. And ultimately, it's it's you know a no win scenario. There's no way of getting out of it except to destroy the car. Which, that that wasn't even intentional. Cameron's just throwing a fit. Right, yeah. Because uh, he's melting down, at, you know, like, ah, oh, I don't control any aspect of my life, you know. I'm finally going to stand up to my old man, and the first thing he does to do that is he starts pulverizing <laughs> the hood of the car with right, his foot. yeah. Just starts kicking it in. Oh, and you have this sneaky moment here where they're, they're waiting for the odometer to roll back, and Sloan's like... So Cameron, I thought you were catatonic earlier. Did you see me change when we were at the pool? And he was he just makes his face, and she's like... I never understood why Ferris didn't get more upset about that, but well, you know, you know, because it's it's over. It's yeah. already happened. I yeah, guess. it's happened. <laughs> They're seniors. This is the last year. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it really matter. Yeah, I, and that's one thing about this movie that is that's missing, and it makes it a much better movie for it is that it doesn't have the typical syrupy '90s high school movie bullshit. Yeah, you know, like. Ferris doesn't get pissed off at Cameron because he saw Sloan, mm-hmm. you know? It's just, okay, ha-ha, funny. 
Yeah, well, you know, because the, you're right. The 90s... Now, in, a ni- with- in a crappy 90s high school movie, uh, you'd have a completely different thing, and it would be garbage. Yeah, it went, no, well, because in 90s movies, for whatever reason, high school relationships were treated like epic dramas, oh, yeah, was, like they yeah. were going to last forever, and it's like, no, they typically well, I mean, peter out after yeah, about I mean, three or four months. Yeah, I mean, they would do ridiculous things in the 90s, like say, oh, well, let's base a, a, a stupid teenage high school movie off Shakespeare. Hey, I mean, well, you know yeah. what? <laughs> I mean, no, he's he's alluding just, to an upcoming episode uh, we got going on. Yeah. You know, You're get, going down, you get, and Adam. Get over yourself. You and Adam people. are going yeah. down, just face it, our movie's going to be better, and you know it. <laughs> So um, I think we're at the. Uh, we're the, pretty much at the crux of the movie, yeah. the, the the poignant end, if you will, because yeah, it's Cameron making his big speech. Because Ferris has his about reality and time and school, but then Cameron has his big speech about I put up with everything, yeah, it, and I shouldn't. I I need to push back and be my own man, and it's a big it's yeah. a big turning point for well, him. And it, it bears saying too, and we have it said it um because it's it's kind of is obvious but everyone in this movie does a very good job of their performances mm-hmm. oh the um, acting's on point yeah the, for sure. the, yeah everyone here you know cameron in this scene um uh, alan, alan rock, rock alan rock in this scene and, and matthew broderick and, and all of it and mia sarah you know these are young performers and they don't at any point come off as you want to punch them in the face because they're overacting no, they, they do it. They're very good and, at reacting. Yeah. And a lot of this, I'm sure, is John Hughes, but they're very good at just giving it the right emotion and making it feel real and organic. Um, even looking at, at Ferris and, and uh, Sloan's reaction to Cameron freaking out and destroying the car. Yeah, they have a very subdued reaction to him, which is sort of like we've all been there when someone we knew was freaking out and you're sort of standing there going. At what point do we step in? What's happening? You know. Yeah, because Sloane walks toward him like she's going to stop him from wrecking yeah. the car, but Ferris stops yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's really liberating for Cameron. Oh yeah. You know, you know, from this point on, he's he's a different person. Yeah. He's either going to be kicked out of the house, or he's going to yeah. his relationship is going to improve with his dad, and yeah. they're going to figure out that you know what's important. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah. One way or the other, he's he's free. So yeah. once again, Ferris wins because he really helped <laughs> yeah. his he helped his friend at to to get to that point that he needed to be at, so he could decide if he wants to be happy or not. Yeah, yeah. And well, and what's funny is that like he didn't what he didn't actually have to dent the car because it's like you said, Dad. It's the permanence of the odometer. They couldn't roll it back. The dad was going to know one way or the other. Yeah. So I guess he's just going whole hog with the plan. Well, but then. but at this point, may as well. Yeah. I, I, you know, another th- more modern uh, approach to this that they didn't do, and I think, again, the movie is better for it, is you don't see the scene between Cameron and his dad. Nope, you don't. It's not there. All you need to know, you don't, because it's not important. How it actually works out is irrelevant. What's yeah. important is knowing that now Cameron... Cameron made a, yeah. a decision yeah. for a change. And, yeah. the, and the car sort of flying out of the, the back of the garage is almost like that's... that's Okay, now you've made your decision and now you can't go back. Mm-hmm. You're committed to this path... And that's Cause up, it. Because up until then, it could have been fixed, like yeah. everything that was wrong yeah. with it. But... I mean, the car now is destroyed. Yeah. 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 And and it, it's, you know, it is Ferris Bueller's day off. So, yeah, it's not, you know, Cameron's that's right. not the so, star of the movie. You know, yeah. and so I think it does a really good uh, good job with that. But then it gets immediately focused back on Ferris and, you know, his run through the neighborhood. Oh, the, the, the iconic run scene, that, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. You know, with the... With the uh, 
the two uh, the girls the two in the girls, bikinis, yeah, you know, turned the wrong way. You know, they're turned away from the sun, bathing, um, oh, sunbathing yeah. <laughs> in their backyard. You know, and then you know he's in an awful hurry to get home, and he has a girlfriend, but he's got to stop and shake hands <laughs> with those ladies <laughs> on his way home. Yeah, they did like a shot-for-shot remake of that on Family Guy during the Stewie movie. I think it was when he was looking for what he thought was his real dad, and it was really just future him. But he's like, oh, hi, how you doing, Stewie Griffin? It was literally shot for shot, the exact Ferris Bueller chase. Yeah, yeah, family guy. They just do jokes other people did. Wah, and, wah. And, and, <laughs> yeah. It's like, wow, that was really funny when John Hughes did it. You know, back uh, in 86. Yeah. But yeah, so Cameron has now, we, we've, we have dealt with Cameron. Yeah, so Cameron's story is all, not tied up yet, but it's f- for our intents and purposes it is. Yeah. And, um... Well, Sloan, this is something that always stuck out to me. Sloan is the only one who doesn't seem to get the ending that you would expect because Ferris kisses her, he drops her off at home and then runs off from her. He's like, all right, I'll call you tomorrow. And she's like, wow, he's going to marry me. And it's like, no, he's not. <laughs> Come on, I, Sloan, get it together. I, You know, I, that's the... See, I look at it a different way. Oh, yeah? I, I think they are going to get married because I think Ferris... When you look at how Ferris Bueller looks at Cameron and he says, oh, you know, Cameron's going to fall in love, you know, with the first girl who gives him what he's, you know, what he's looking for and she's going to treat him like crap. Uh I think he's saying that from a place where he knows that that's not how it is with him and Sloane. No, but you know. look at how he talks to other girls. Like even on no. the parade float, he's like, you know, <laughs> yeah, bobbing them on the chin yeah, and stuff. And he wants just, to talk to the sunbathing girls. He's married, and... not buried. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, something I just thought of is that you know, at the first of the movie, when when uh, Ferris calls Cameron, mm-hmm. one of the first things Cameron says is, "Let my Cameron go." That's this exactly movie, what happened. The to movie him. lets Cameron go. Yeah. So oh, well, you know, yeah. I never I had not thought about, thought about that, that till right then. So me either. Per- Pretty cool. Oh, there's mom. I mean, Ferris's mom. Sorry, that outfit keeps throwing me <laughs> off. You can tell her I teased her about that. But uh, Oh, and this is hysterical. So uh, Katie Bueller, the mom, shows up to pick up Jeannie for making the phony phone call. And the station uh, chief is like, I hope your son's doing better. And she's like, excuse me? Because she clearly hasn't mentioned Ferris to him at all. He's like, just let him know all the guys at the station are pulling <laughs> for him. So that's Ferris's charm just spreading throughout the town. Like everyone in the, in the entire city of Chicago is rooting for yeah. Ferris Bueller. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, and you, do, yeah. you don't see why. Like what changed Jeannie's mind about Charlie Sheen. You just saw her crack her knuckles like she was going to pop him one. And then all of a sudden they're making out yeah. in the middle of the station lobby. So... And she becomes this little giddy schoolgirl. Yeah, you know? and they start saying the, the playing mean, the Shauna, Shauna. Yeah. She does a good job changing her character. Oh yeah, in, in yeah. you know in thirty seconds. Well, it reminds me of Dirty Dancing because she was kind of bubbly like that and a little bit giddy mm. around like Patrick Swayze. And apparently, Patrick Swayze didn't want anything to do with her. He couldn't stand her on Dirty Dancing because she was so young and just kind of bubbly and. I guess he thought she was just kind of stupid and immature, but for the like, but that's what this reminds me of is that that giggly little persona that she's got going on now. Yeah, she nails it. She, she really, really does. Yeah, she nails it. Even the trip down the stairs where she just sort yeah, she misses <laughs> the stair and laughs at herself. It's so cute. Yeah. yeah. And her mom's yelling at her, and, and she's, she's making a face, and she's still smiling. Yeah. Yep. yeah. She knows she's in trouble, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, she doesn't care, though, you know, because... And, and she's singing Don Shane. So, Dad, mm-hmm. you pointed this out, that yeah. Mr. Rooney sings Don Shane when he's at their door. He's yeah. sort of singing it under his breath. Jeannie sings it when she leaves the police station, and Ferris sings it in the shower and at the parade. Yeah. So it gets sang so a lot. Four times. Mm-hmm. You know, I... 
I, you know, watching the the parting scene between uh, Sloan and, and Sloan, you know, mm-hmm. um, Sloan's got a big heart, you know, because she is, you know, she's thinking about Cameron. But I, and she's got Ferris's number, you know, he can't, and I, this is another reason why I think they end up together. I think Cameron, or uh, Cameron, I think Ferris, you know, for all of his bullshit and all the stuff that he pulls, Sloan knows. And Sloan I, knows that, that she's the yeah. one he's coming home to. Yeah, yeah. I can and, see it. And it's sort of like, you know, okay, you can do all this stuff, but just be aware, you're never going to get away with any of this crap with me. Yeah, you she know. sees through him, and it's. I see what you mean about that. Yeah. Because I don't think any other kind of girl, you have to be so somewhat mellow to date a guy like Ferris Bueller because you're never going to be the the person in the driver's seat. Ferris is the star of his own yeah. life. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes Matthew Broderick kind of a different sort of hero because usually when a guy is the star of the movie, it's because he's tough or because yeah. he's street smart or because he's, he's gritty and he's a man's man or whatever. But Ferris is like a charming guy that girls fall yeah. for, not because... He panders to girls, but because he's so cool yeah. just in and of himself that girls just are attracted to that. Mm. He's just super charming. That's all it is. Oh, and his sister yeah. almost <laughs> runs him over in the in the um, the wood paneled station wagon oh, that they yeah. got. It's, yeah, the woody. Well, it's not, but it's not okay. Yeah, it, 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 it's amazing <laughs> to me. It's amazing to me that that car was made. That it was. Soul that people spent money on it. it. You no, know? John Mulaney had a joke about that. It wasn't about the station wagon itself. It was about the van, but it had the same wood paneling around it. He goes, "You know, back when you wanted your your van to have a belt, yeah. <laughs> like, they, just... they they had to set up a lot of dolly track to do this whole sequence." Oh, I can yeah. I can only yeah. imagine because it's just it's like dolly cut. Different scene, Dolly, cut, different scene. <laughs> and what's really funny is that the station wagon and the police car probably ran a lot better than the kit cars that they spent all that money making oh, yeah. to look oh, like yeah. the Ferrari. Yeah, probably so, yeah. But yeah, Ferris steals uh, either a beer or a soda out of the guy's hand when he's grilling because he's cutting through all a the soda. backyards. It's it, was, a soda. it was another Pepsi. Oh, Pepsi. Yeah. product yeah. placement, yep. yeah. Yeah. It's, I've said it before, it's no um, Superman being thrown into the Coke truck, but it is some product <laughs> yeah. placement. Yeah, you're right. They're facing the wrong way, yeah, getting yeah. getting a suntan. I never noticed that. Yeah, they're tanning the backs of their heads, like you do. Yeah, <laughs> they're lightening up the ice uh, the ice highlights in their hair. So many people going to jail. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got the police chasing uh, uh, Jeannie, so she's going to get in trouble again. Well, she's going to get a ticket at the very least, but... I don't think running from the cops gets you a ticket. I, I think at this point... Yeah, you, at this point, she's evading arrest. Like, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so Ferris somehow is still keeping track despite the fact that he's on foot. It's like it's very lethal weapon how Mel Gibson caught up with Gary Busey. Even though Gary Busey was driving. He's cut through the neighborhood. Yeah, he's got the back way. He knows the neighborhood. Yeah. He does. I mean all this lucky stuff that happens. So Ferris's dad gets slowed down. He Mm -hmm. he looks down and doesn't see Jeannie being pursued by the cops. So he misses that because he looks down at the right moment. And there's that little blue hair driving in front of him, swerving all over the place. You know, it's funny watching that though. And the fact that this little old lady just happens to show up. I mean, it's Ferris Bueller is really like a comedic agent, Dale Cooper from twin peaks, because it's the same thing with, okay. with, with agent Cooper, where like, if you watch, especially the revival of twin peaks, it's uh-huh. sort of like, a bad guy can be <laughs> the, the dad doesn't even yeah, recognize no Ferris when he's running right next to the car. But a bad guy can be, you know, completely unstoppable. But as soon as he gets into Agent Cooper's world, things will just happen to thwart yeah. him, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. like with Ferris Bueller, 
okay, he's in this sort of panicky situation. And oh, so and that's the, a good the, moment. The universe is just going to start throwing things that help him along because he has to succeed. Okay. You know, it, it is it is preordained that he has yeah. to succeed. Oh, yeah. And they just, they built yeah. the circumstances around him so that it can work. But I, I do love that moment where he's running through the house and they're cooking dinner. He's like, oh, it smells delicious. And then he's out on the balcony yeah. with the rest of the people. Dinner's ready. <laughs> yeah. And then and the timing is perfect. He jumps with the girl on the trampoline and... You know, she double bounces him so he yeah. can make it over yeah. the exactly, hedge. Yeah. yeah. Um, and apparently, this is some interesting trivia. Before the Marvel Universe, Ferris Bueller was part of a cinematic universe in and of itself. Because apparently, um, the fictional Shermer High, where he goes to high school, shows up in a few John Hughes films. Hughes also shot many interior and exterior shots for his movies at the same two high schools. So there's one in Des Plaines and one in Northbrook, and they're both in Illinois. But yeah, apparently, uh, like, Pretty in Pink, or I don't know if it's Pretty in Pink, but um, definitely Breakfast Club. They all belong in the same cinema- cinematic universe. Oh, and he gets busted. You yeah. gotta hate that because he yeah. he works so and hard. He's sweating. He's breathing hard. And he makes it, and he beats his family home. But then, yeah, yeah. But and again, the uh, the universe put Charlie mm-hmm. Sheen in that police station so his sister would be in a better mood. Yep. And so that she would ultimately decide to help him. And the ultimate lucky strike that he gets is that uh, Mr. Rooney dropped his wallet while breaking and entering in the house. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. And dang yeah. it. And Jeannie's... It, well, at first you think Jeannie's just going right, to let him get yeah, busted because uh-huh. she's sitting there smirking. Exactly what you think. And then she changes her mind and she opens the door and just plays along. Like, oh my goodness, we've been worried sick about you. Can you imagine somebody as sick as Ferris trying to walk home from the hospital? <laughs> and she just covers for him. It's great. Yeah. It's a great twist. It is. It really is. Because, it, you know, it, it's, again, it's sweet. It's, you, you want to leave a movie like this yeah. feeling like it, everybody's, you know. On the same all, page. On the same page. Happy. They're all happy. Every Everything's working yeah. out. Well, and even Ferris is so surprised that Jeannie's right. rooting for him for it's, once that he doesn't even have like a smart out no, comment. No. He's just like, ugh. Yeah, I mean, and then he, walks he, well, yeah, he, he just he breaks the fourth wall, looks at the camera, like, "Can you believe this?" And but but he doesn't say anything. And she cements his victory with the wallet because she's like, "Oh, he walked home from the hospital." Oh, by the way, Mister Rooney, it seems you left your wallet on the kitchen floor, and she chucks it outside, yeah. <laughs> getting rid of her only leverage, oddly enough, well, because without yeah. that. I mean, they already don't believe... Well, he doesn't know that she got picked up for the phony phone call. Right, yeah. Oh, <laughs> the, the dog. dog. <laughs> so Mr. Rooney knocked out the dog, but then Jeannie uh, throws his wallet outside and slams the door, waking up their pet Rottweiler, who right. then uh, eats Mr. Rooney alive. Yes. Well, he ends up on the bus in the end. He yeah. does. Yeah, which is, you know... Because he, ha- he has to end up being utterly humiliated. Oh, yeah. You know? So you, well, also, you also have to wonder how the flowers got in the house. Because yeah. the flowers are lined to stairs and all like that. But Jeannie left the door open. That's how Mr. Rooney got in the house, too. So I guess people tried the door and then just left them in the foyer. So I guess in the 80s, flower delivery people yeah, just... Yeah, they just, they just, just dropped them right in, yeah. <laughs> or maybe the... Yeah, because you never see them on the porch, but... Mm-hmm. Um, and even the fact that he had to run home ends up being beneficial to him at the end of the day because yeah. he's got... He's supposed to have a fever, and his mom feels his forehead, and she's like, oh, you're still a little warm. Yeah. You may have to stay home again from school yeah, tomorrow, yeah, Ferris. Yeah. So well, it comes full and, circle. And all the running that we saw Ferris do it, I didn't notice the baseball was still in his pocket. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, through yeah. the swimming. From through the Cubs the, game. Through everything, and he had to have it, right? Again, the, the stars lined up. He yeah. caught a foul ball at the game, mm-hmm. and that's what and in then, the end saved him at the, on his last hurdle. 
Well, it, that too, and then when he gets in bed, he just chucks it on the floor and it lands in his glove. Yeah. Just yeah. perfectly. Exactly. It's seamless. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, he throws it and it turns off the recorder. So when they open the door, it so it's not it. snoring right. anymore. So he yeah. turn, with the ball, he turns off the recorder and it lands in his glove. It's just so perfect. Yeah, <laughs> years of practice. Yeah. <laughs> How did you become so sweet? Years of practice. Yeah, and he acts like such a baby in front of his parents, even in the beginning of this movie. Oh, yeah. His dad's like, "If you need me, pal, give me a call." And he's yeah. like, "Oh, ringy dingy." <laughs> like it's just, <laughs> yeah. it's so pitiful. Well, because that's the thing. He's got everybody else's number. Yeah. So oh, he's yeah. got his number. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And here we go, and we we wrap it up with uh... a <laughs> the cute little kid moment <laughs> yeah, biting in his yeah. dad's finger. <laughs> so at the end of the day, I think um, we need to bring it back to the to the Alf Seinfeld scale. I, I really don't think there's a lot of question here. I'm 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 putting this at, at a nine. Well, we have to explain this to Dad first. Uh, yeah. So the Alf to Seinfeld scale is what Jason and I invented on our first ever episode of Hindsight is Horrifying, and. It's because the two shows are so very different based on your perspective. So as a kid, you think Alf is brilliant and it's so funny and it's a puppet and you love it. Then you grow up and you're an adult and you're like, God, this show was god awful. Uh, So that's at the bottom of the scale. Whereas Seinfeld, the way I see it, is when I was a kid, I thought it was so stuffy and boring. It was the equivalent of your mom running into her best friend at the grocery store and talking for an hour and you have nothing to do and you're bored, senseless. But then when you're an adult, you're like, oh, my God, this show was was genius. So, uh, with Alf being the worst and Seinfeld being the best, where do you think Ferris Bueller lands on the scale of Alf to Seinfeld? Nine point five. It's as good. It's as good watching it here as it was in um, in eighty six when I mm-hmm. saw it in the movie theater. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I would definitely agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. I, it was, you know, it's timeless. Even though a lot of the things have changed, it's still a timeless. Um, it's just a timeless story. Because at the end, Fairless didn't hurt anybody. He didn't do nope. anything other than skip school. I mean, you know. Yeah, nobody. Yeah. I mean, it's he didn't go to the restaurant and steal food. No, nope. they went to the restaurant and he he stole a reservation. That's yeah, really he stole a reservation. It wasn't that yeah. bad yeah. from the Sausage King of Chicago, yeah. who apparently was you a can, real person. Yeah, so, you, hot Doug. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> that's a good Seinfeld re- reference. You know, the reservation. You know how to take a reservation. You just don't know how to keep, keep a, a reservation. reservation. <laughs> So Kramer. And here we have our our villain riding off into the opposite of a sunset. Yeah. He's all bloody and tattered. He probably has rabies at this point uh, because he's been tattered up by that dog. And uh, and the bus driver thinks that she's being helpful, but she's like, Mr. Rooney, come and get on this bus with all these snot-nosed kids. And he's too tall for the bus. And it's just, it's so uncomfortable. Well, well, so, well. In the ultimate ending, before we before we wrap up, the best part, one of the uh, best parts of the movie, you hear the boom, boom, chicka, chicka. But then you wind up back at Ferris's house. So, Dad, why don't you tell us? Because I know that's one of your favorite parts. Oh yeah, when Ferris comes out after the movie, you know the first after credits um, that I that I know of, somebody comes out and he says, "You still here? Why? Go it's home. over. It's over. Go, Go home. home. Yeah. Go." <laughs> Yeah, I don't remember anybody doing because it's like Jason said, he started out the movie breaking the fourth wall really strongly. Uh, but then you sort of taper off of that when he's mm-hmm. in the middle of all of his adventures with Cameron and Sloan. But then that's the moment where he returns to talking directly to the right. audience. It's... He might smirk or make a little face at the audience at any given point. But yeah, he, he's like, why are you still here? The story's over. Get yeah. out of here. <laughs> so yeah. that was the ultimate breaking of the fourth wall. But now that we've got them all uh, scaled on Alta Seinfeld. 
Well, I think that's about all to say about the movie. It's it's just as good today as it was uh, when it first came out. Absolutely. And, uh, and uh, well, I would like to say thanks to our guest uh, for uh, for for spending your time with us today and watching this great and for suggesting this movie. Oh yeah. And uh, Dark, you uh, you want to bring it home for us? Absolutely. Um, unfortunately, listeners, uh, this is the only proof that I've been able to provide that my dad does in fact exist. Because I know we've mentioned him on the show before, but he uh, he does not play around on social media, so you can't find him on the mm-hmm. gram or the tweeter, or the you know the countenance novel, none of that. So uh, unfortunately, you can't follow him or like him or anything like that. But it's been really exciting to have you here, Dad. So you want to say goodbye to the listeners? Yeah, I do. I, I, I want to say goodbye, but I want to say first thank you all for the opportunity to come and watch one of my favorite movies Was and this? just kind of talk about it like, uh, you know, like you're supposed to. You know, when you're, yep. you, know, uh, you have a good movie among friends and you just kind of talk about it. I think it's a, it's a great idea, and uh, I appreciate the opportunity and uh, learned a lot about Ferris today. And uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap it up saying I agree with you that I think – Ferris and uh, Sloan get married because I, as I was watching, it said she didn't say she was going to marry. He's going to marry. He's going to marry me. Right. Yeah. So I really think. Um, I'd like to think that. That, they, they, that they end up together. Cool. Well, once again, we've had a blast. So thanks for being in the studio today. We'd thanks love y'all. to have you back soon. Was this your first ever podcast? Or first is... ever podcast. Woo! That's our Woo-hoo! second guest who's never been on a podcast before, as far as I know. But that's exciting. So thanks again for coming in. And as always, listeners, not that you pay any attention to our social media whatsoever in Australia, where we have all those listeners, uh, but you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter at Hindsight Horror. You can find us on the Gram, the only popular social media as far as Katie and Jason are aware. Uh, But we are Hindsight is Horrifying on Instagram. We don't really do email anymore. So if you want to do suggestions, go to our Facebook page. You can call us. There's a number on there that you can actually dial in Australia, we want to hear from you. If you want to be a guest star, please call that number and we will let you dial in. We will do it at your convenience. So, guys, it's been an absolute blast today. Thank you for joining us for your listening time of any sort, whether that be drive time, office time, time you're not supposed to spend with us. We don't care. We're just happy you're here. You guys have an excellent night. This has been Dark Jader with Jason and Morgan.